Для тех, кто смотрит, будет смотреть эту информацию. Господин Пурчинов, господин Яценюк, господин Тернебок и же с ними. Я это заявляю открыто и достоверно знаю, что это проплаченные агенты Центрального разведуправления США. Ведь мало кто знает, что основной беспредел творил господин Ахметов Ренат Леонидович, господин Коломойский, глава Всемирного Еврейского Конгресса, господин Фирташ и же с ними. Все вот эти олигархи. А теперь это Просто прямая оккупация Соединенными Штатами Украины через подставных лиц. concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Thursday, April 21st, 2022. Thank you for joining me today. I've got a really important show for you today in regard to a couple of really important components to what we've been discussing around Ukraine. One of which is a really important uh, link directly from Stanford Uh, I'm blanking on the group's name. I'll show you in the show today that we've gone over before that Whitney discussed in her article in regard to the CIA building of the fascist threat that's happening in Ukraine to blame it on you, which is a very, very short, truncated explanation of a very, very deep and complex topic. We'll go through parts of it today. But the very group that they use to try to make it seem like Russia is the primary threat in regard to this global white supremacy problem that's not even really there as far as I can tell, not that they don't exist, but the global threat they're making it out to be. In fact, the same group outlines exactly what the Azov Battalion is, updated as of March 2022. And you won't be surprised what they tell you they are because you watch this show. But you will be surprised about how like directly contrary it is to everything the Western press is yelling at you that you should know because we're smarter than you because we've got all the information except literally saying the opposite of what they're outlining. It's just incredible how we keep seeing this happen. I really expected, but still nonetheless incredible. Now we will go over the Azov Battalion again and give you this detailed information around it. We have an update on Gonzalo Lira and conflicting information being circulated around the community right now. Um, unfortunately, I don't have any more concrete information about absolutely whether or not he is okay but we will get into what we do know as of today and as of, as far as i can tell as of the moment i went live nobody truly knows at this moment what's still going on there's a lot of miss um incorrect information that's being incorrectly perceived i'll show you what i mean by that where people have put out information that was sort of taken out of context and and yet that still kind of spread like wildfire i don't think anybody did it intentionally but it's hard to say at the end of the day we'll give it all to you and Hopefully we'll find out something quite soon. We're also going to talk about the people in the kind of peripheral around that conversation a little bit further. This Ast Sarah Ashton, Ashton's, excuse me, Sarah Ashton Cirillo and the part being played here, as well as a really great breakdown from Vanessa Bealey. I'm going to play a part that she had on this great interview she just did with UK Column, and we'll go through that and make some comments and talk about what they're seeing and, and really 
it's just we should we should be very skeptical about what's coming out, especially with these. Now, there's accounts that are pretending to be him saying that he's OK. As far as I can tell, it hasn't been verified. We'll go over all of it today. Of course, there's also kind of adding credence to what we're worried might have happened here. More pro-Russian bloggers, reporters, whatever they want to try to diminish them as being assassinated, taken out inside of Ukraine right now. You won't hear a peep about this in the Western press. Of course, you would hear constant berating and excuse me, bleeding about it, even if it was unconfirmed, as long as it had to do with somebody they liked. Didn't even have to be confirmed. And they would scream about how important it is we find out. But with Gonzalo and plenty of others, you won't even hear a peep about it, which is pretty obvious what that shows you that they're just bad people and hypocrites on top of all of it. Now we're going to get into as well the funding that's continuing to go again on top of everything else. Billions upon billions upon billions of dollars have flown out of your pocket directly to to support a neo-Nazi government right now as plenty of Americans can't feed their families because of what your government just did to you. And then we're going to send another $800 million weapons package as of Yesterday, today, we'll get into that as well and what's going on and a couple of more important points as we go through this today. But let's start off with a couple of points and then we'll jump right into Gonzalo Lira and the update there for everyone. I know we're very eager to find out, you know, really kind of hoping that this turns out the way we wanted to, where he actually got ahead of this and got away and is hiding right now. I mean, I have nothing to back that up other than potential concerns and rumors that have been circulating, but I'm just... This is, this, I mean, this is emotional for everybody because of something that's happening to this person that, as far as I'm concerned, has been putting himself at risk to bring you the truth at a time when nobody is willing to do that or very few. So it's concerning nonetheless. But I will do my best to get that to you as fast as possible. But let's start off with a couple of important points. One I just thought was on a, on a positive note. Had a really great, great interview. Enjoyed the interview with Slow News Day. Uh, Steve from Slow News Day and Yo Pasta, their new their new studio in Vegas and their new setup here. Just I think it's a, a really great thing they got going on there. And I just love, I love the, the image they made here. It just made me laugh. It was a really great conversation, by the way. We got into a lot of stuff around. As you as many of you know, I've talked about cannabis. Uh, and the law, the you know, cannabis law reform and the manipulations from the historical perspective, as well as going forward around all of this. And what I mean by that is the historical distortion of what it was to manipulate it for, you know, plenty of reasons, tinder and, and, and hinder in- industry and uh, paper pulp. I mean, I could go off on a thousand things around why that was manipulated, despite the fact that at the time it was, it was used in hemp and, and sales and rope and everything. And we were manipulated into thinking that hemp and cannabis were the same thing, or specifically hemp and marijuana. And then we also get in the other side of it, which is that after this going into today, we have the GMOs and we have the pharmaceutical stuff and the manipulation of it and the fake versions that actually hurt people and they conflate it with the real stuff. There's a lot going on there. On top of the fact that cannabis has been shown to have pretty amazing effects in regard to whatever we think we're dealing with today, call it COVID-19, whatever, but it's absolutely clear because it has effects in just about every part of your life. I could go off forever, guys. It's amazing the world that we could be living in if we utilize things like hemp or plenty of others that we're told we're not supposed to touch while they jam petrochemical drugs down your throats and say, curing, whatever they want to call that today. Anyway, on top of that, one of some interesting conspiracy discussions, which I always love. But of course, I said, however, I take great issue with being superimposed as Donnie. If you can't see on the podcast, it's the uh, Big Lebowski picture, and I'm superimposed as Donnie. And I said, I'll be filing a formal complaint. Hashtag SDF up. Donnie, I'm, I'm kidding. Obviously, I think this is amazing. I just love that movie and I love this conversation. But anyways, please check it out. I thought it was really enjoyable and I want to have both them come over so we can have a, you maybe reuse the image, have a great conversation. 
but had an enjoyable day. Took that day off. I hope all of you did as well. And, and, you know, a day of freedom for everybody. But of course, the people that don't have that luxury, people like Julian Assange, who regardless of what happens, regardless of what we prove, regardless of what the laws are, these rogue and dangerous governments don't care. And these are the kind of insights we need to focus on, that we can see that they are lying to you. You can see that their laws, what they hold over everybody else, don't matter when they don't want them to. That is what we have to recognize here, which means that nothing means anything to them. They are lawless. They are rampantly lawless, to take the phrase from George Galloway. What I'm referencing here is the UK just the UK court has just issued an order to extradite WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange to the United States. So I said, so breaking their own laws then, them, dang it. I hate when I make typos. Of course, I also realized that I didn't put the context in there and why they're breaking their own laws. Sadly, it seems that nobody got the point because it's not getting a lot of reach. But the point is, they stated it was against the law to even extradite someone to a place that would potentially put him to death because of their laws around uh, around uh, capital punishment. So that's, at least at one point, was a problem. Nothing changed other than the U.S. government that lies about everything it does to say, we won't do that. Just like they said they wouldn't, you know, get as close as they did to Russia with their Reagan-Gorbachev agreement, just like they said they wouldn't do things in Syria and said they wouldn't let Israel do that and said they wouldn't, and agreements here and agreements there. And yeah, all the things that they break every day that they said they would never do. But here they are going, we'll never do that. And they go, okay, we'll trust you. And then they go ahead and do this. The point is that they're breaking their own rules, laws, regulations, doesn't matter. I never doubted for a second the UK would do exactly what they were told to or, you know, agreed to do, however you want to free see that. I said, did anyone truly expect otherwise? This is a travesty of justice being perpetuated by those forcefully claiming to be its defenders, which is pathetic. And as, as Steve adds, when you hold the monopoly on violence, you get to break as many laws as you want. Then turn around and call it a new precedent. Exactly. It's very sad. I mean, we've been following this as many have. Not as much as some of the others out there that are doing a great job keeping us surprised to what's really going on. But this person is being punished right now as if they've already been accused or rather already been charged and then found guilty of a crime. None of that's happened. But yeah, but it's all democracy, right? Freedom and democracy. Oh, it's a, freedom and democracy, the way they state it, is a really broken, hollow, threadbare blanket they throw over all their crimes. That's what this is. It's disgusting. We need to stop being children as the people out there who don't see it and wake up and realize that until we point at what these people really are, not just this government, but the governments around the world perpetuating this, we will never see something change. But I believe that most everybody is beginning to be aware of that, and we're finally beginning to realize that we are actually the majority. Please, once we see that, we will change everything. I've been saying it for a long time. And of course, this kind of thing will hopefully come to an end. But right now, it's not. Attacks on Gaza, and this was yesterday, continue. Real time, this happens all the the one of the most largely civilian, the most densely civilian populated places on the planet is what you're staring at right now. The largest concentration, one of at least it, it, it probably fluctuates, but at least the time I last said that, this is one of the largest. Now, the point was the versus the most versus one of is my point, but. A gigantically packed, densely packed civilian area is what you're staring at right now. That is what's happening. Why is that acceptable? Here's, here's something interesting. You could share this video right now and say this is a, a civilian area of Ukraine that Russia's bombing, and it would spread like wildfire. Everybody would say, look at what Russia's doing, and nobody would even check to see if it's real, and it wouldn't matter, would it? That's where we are right now. But you spread this and say, look at what Israel's doing, and nobody cares. 
Well, because there's a narrative, right? Aren't we supposed to pretend they're all terrorists? Aren't we supposed to pretend like they fired something first? It doesn't matter anymore. It's just narrative. But it, what does matter is the civilians there. That's what we're talking about. Whether there was a group there that fired a rocket first or not, those are civilians being bombed, just like anywhere else we're pointing at. And nobody seems to care in the party paradigm situation. It's pretty it's, it's upsetting because these are civilians. These are average people. And so, too, are the civilians in Ukraine. Well, bo- and unfortunately, both by hands of Russia, but predominantly, in my opinion, by the hands of the Ukraine government, because we have to recognize that there are bombs flying. And even when you're not trying to hit civilians, if you believe that's what Russia is doing, based on what they're saying, but they could be lying, that they sometimes do. War is bad and war hurts people. But we have to remember how this started and what drove it into reality. But nonetheless, but you know what keeps this going? Even if you do think Russia's in the wrong, the constant overwhelming flooding of weapons into Ukraine is what I'm talking about, not Gaza. But that too, Gaza too, same thing because the U.S. government and the other Western governments allow this to continue. And it's on a humorous note before we get into the first point here. And this really is important. It's humorous, but it's also really important because this really this is this should break through for some people to show you the false majority, the illusion of what they tell you is happening. Because, I mean, I even argue right now that most of these new these so-called mainstream press out there are yelling at people that don't exist. They are screaming their narrative as if everybody believes them because their group or their side or whatever else. And the truth is they probably they have a constantly diminishing, dying, growing platform. So, too, to the, the, the right side of this, the, the, the Tucker parts of the world have a large following. But I would argue that by and large, Fox News is failing. They're all failing, guys, because we all begin to recognize, especially with COVID-19, a lot of the conservatives out there saw very clearly what Fox News is because they did. They just went right into lockstep like everybody else. Nonetheless, CNN's new streaming service, CNN Plus, is already shutting down. Of course, Brian Stelter came out and said it was a resounding success, and we just decided not to go along with it anymore. I'm not even making that up. It just didn't fit with our whole program. (laughs) Oh, you mean the billion dollars you put into it just didn't work for you? We'll just give up on it. That doesn't happen, guys. They fail. This is failing. You know why? Because people don't watch. Because nobody wanted to pay for CNN garbage. And you know what? I argue that Fox News streaming would fail just the same. Because people today do not want to pay for their obvious garbage. But there are still people that pretend that they're the majority. These little insights are what show you. Because where else do we get the perception of majority? There's nowhere else. The only place that comes from is from corporate media. And they're yelling that we're wrong and that we're small and nobody listens. But that's not true. And these things show you that. I hope that breaks through for somebody. Now, U.S. prepping another. Of course, I have CNN politics here, which is the last thing I should do. It just so happened to be the first one that popped up. But U.S. prepping another 800 million weapons package for Ukraine. Multiple sources say. Of course, I, I wonder whether CNN even cared to check those sources. They just say what they're told to say, which is what we know. But nonetheless, I did make sure to check it, not just that CNN said it. But yes, there is indeed another 800 million plus weapons package for Ukraine going out the door right now. On top of everything else, this is not from last week or the week before, because we've seen the same number. It's almost like they want you to kind of conflate them and be like, isn't that already what happened before? <laughs> nope. This is another billion dollars going out the door to the neo-Nazi government of Ukraine that is currently being run. Now, to be clear, as I've been clear before, but just since we're going to get into this again today, I do not mean that every single person in their government is neo-Nazi or even every single person in the government or the militias or the battalions are, in fact, fascist. The point, though, is that they are predominantly present. And I'm going to make that abundantly clear coming directly from their own source material today, saying that right up until 2022, that there are very clearly leadership people present at the top, as Scott Ritter made clear, 
as they made clear and as Stanford makes clear in the way that this has disseminated forward, where they've broken it down, they've they've pushed themselves out into political positions and they run this stuff, guys, very clearly. That does not mean, though, that every single person in their military is the same thing. We just need to be clear about that. When I say that it is that it is completely immersed, I mean what it sounds like, that they have pushed themselves through and they control most of what's happening, but it doesn't mean every single person everywhere. This is the kind of nuance that the Western press just runs from because they you can't be on you can't be the way they are and have nuance. It just doesn't work. That's why they try to break it from, you know, push it out of you as well. But bring it, we'll come back to that. We're going to come back to the point of this funding and where that's going to be going. But I wanted to start off with where this kind of went awry recently. I was speaking with Vanessa Bealey, who is relaying some information as well from Eva Bartlett and what they're seeing and what they're hearing. Now, first, this is what was put out, and it seems this has been spread by plenty, honestly, plenty of people. Oh, dang it. <laughs> so. I'm sorry. I had these things I was going to share. I'm Unfortunately, I'm going to put it off till tomorrow. I don't want to just break. I'm going to keep going with this. Yet again, I forgot to say thank you to some of these things I wanted to share. There's the thank yous and notes and books and this great thing I want to share. Anyway, for those that keep hearing me say that, you're probably laughing. I will show those things hopefully tomorrow. Thank you for people that send me great things on my birthday. I'll show them in a moment, but later show. Anyway, coming back to this. That was not necessary, wasn't it? Scott, Scott Ritter put this out on his, on his telegram. Now, this, unfortunately, by a lot of people that I that I think are doing good work, that maybe just it fairly, in, in all fairness, did share this saying that Scott Ritter said this is what happened, but it turns out that's not what he meant, and I'll show you what I mean. This is on his Telegram, and he's making the statement that got taken by a lot of people as if this was absolute, that he knew that Gonzalo was beheaded. Here's what it says. <clears throat> and then for those that remember the show from yesterday and the day before, that is what the neo-Nazi Azov Battalion members, boatsmen, and the others shared on their Twitter accounts, which I'll show you again in a moment, that says the beheading video will soon hit Telegram. So that's where this is coming from. When Belarusian authorities pulled Roman Protashev, uh, Protasevich, a blogger who had served a combat tour in the neo-Nazi Azov Battalion before working for Radio Free Europe's Belarus channel out of Prague, off an airplane, in May 2021, on charges of inciting a political opposition, roughly the equivalent of a sedition, the world went crazy, accusing Belarusian President Alexander Lukashenko of trampling on free speech. Now, Protasevich, uh, Pro, probably, is alive and well, living under house arrest and awaiting trial. When reports emerged that Gonzalo Lira, a Chilean social media influencer, in quotes is what they're calling him, who resided in Kharkov, Ukraine, and who published online content critical of the Ukrainian government was kidnapped, tortured, and murdered by the Kraken unit, part of the Azov Battalion affiliated with the Ukrainian Sur Security Service, SBU, the West is silent. Free speech isn't a one-way street. To remain silent in the murder of Gonzo Lira is to be complicit with his in his death and the deaths of all journalists who pursue the truth, even if it runs counter to the mainstream narrative. Critical thinking should not be a death sentence, unfortunately for Gonzo Lira, it seems it was. <clears throat> now, I clearly get why this was taken out of context, or rather taken as exactly as it's stated. I'll show you what he followed it up with. Nonetheless, everybody who just grabbed this from Scott's telegram and says, this is what happened, you're not doing your due diligence. Because first of all, Scott doesn't, you'll see what he says next. He was saying as a hypothetical as the reports are saying, but it is pretty unclear. My point first is we ought to be better than this, guys, especially if we're going to just want to be the first to jump out and say, look, he's dead, that, which is horrible because that's not what we should hope for. J just by saying Scott said this, that's not verified. You don't know that as much as he's somebody that I do hold in high regard. 
it's pretty frustrating that that happened. First of all, we should be better than this as the independent media to not jump out there and try to be th- to, to be ahead of the story without doing our own due diligence. Even if your story is Scott Ritter said this. Here's what he said next. A point of clarification. I have no direct evidence that Gonzalo has been killed. I was clear. I was referring to reports emerging. Now, I, I, in all fairness, I don't think that was very clear. I, that's, it seems like, it, just, I read it to you already. It seems like that's pretty clearly, sta- I does say it seems it was. And so from my perspective, I would be like, okay, wait a minute. I wouldn't jump to report it. That's I wouldn't anyways. But it says, but Gonzo said any disappearance for more than 12 hours should be treated as if something bad had happened to him. And I agree with that. It's been five days. It has been a, it's now six. It has been. If this is, if, if this had been a New York Times reporter disappearing in Russian-controlled territory, it would be headline news. And that's exactly my point, too. Whether or not they knew what happened, this would be everywhere. Especially if a Chechnyan hunter-killer team, which is what we're talking about, had taken credit for his death, which they did, but with Gonzo's silence. But with Gonzo, silence. Which has the whole purpose of this post was to raise awareness about his disappearance. So that's where that finished. So Scott does not have confirmation that happened, despite what people may be circulating online. And to be fair, Scott did very quickly follow up and make that clear. So all the people out there still saying that, it's not Scott's fault they're doing that, despite the fact that the first tweet was unclear. But it was, you know, anyway, you get the full picture there. Now here, let's get into what Vanessa Bealey has to say about this. And this is, uh, it's a, about a, 10 about I forget how many minutes it is. We'll go through this. I'll try to do it reasonably quickly because I the stopping and pausing can take a while sometimes. I'll try to just let it play for the most part, but it's a reasonably long clip. But I wanted to get this out there. This is from UK Column, which by the way, you should absolutely be watching, listening to, following. I don't reference them enough just because they're sort of kind of they're sort of like my style where they have a long show, lots of information, which by the way, I totally get what people say. It's hard to get this shared for my same reason. The same reason why I don't break down theirs half the time because there's a lot there and there's a lot going on. Nonetheless, if you haven't, I recommend you listen to them because they do an outstanding job. So let's listen to her and then we'll go through all the information that we were referencing in regard to the hunter killer team and what we know from before and a couple of updates on the people around this story and why this connects back to the Azov battalion and everything else we're talking about. And then we'll get into the other reporters that are also being killed in the area that nobody seems to care about. Now this was 27. Oh, actually take that back. I forgot that I already broke it into yeah, here it is. Just just her clip. By the way, that full link will be in there. I recommend you watch the rest of that long. There's an hour and a half video because they get into a lot of really important stuff on the peripheral and just unrelated to specifically this topic. Gonzalo Lira, um, he's a Chilean national who sort of really found himself in Kharkov in Ukraine when uh, the Russian uh, special mission began in, in late February. He's been reporting from on the ground, uh, really at great risk to himself, because Kharkov is effectively controlled by the Nazi Azov battalions and various brigades associated with that battalion. And since um, Friday last week, uh, he's gone dark in the sense that he was supposed to be on the George Galloway show. Um, He didn't show. Uh, He was supposed to be communicating with journalists Dan Cohen. Um, Again, he didn't show, and Dan Cohen has reported um, that his uh, WhatsApp messages have been read since his disappearance. So someone is clearly reading them 
and deleting them, according to a later tweet from Dan Cohen. Um, and so effectively, uh, initially people believed that it might have been because the internet was not working uh, in Kharkov, but then other people were, were later reporting that the internet had come back on, and yet still um, nobody had heard from Gonzalo. And of course, um, that leads us into what might have happened. Now, just what she's talking about there is important to think about. WhatsApp messages, right? Now, WhatsApp has come out for long ago to not be as complete and sound as we once thought it was. Same with Telegram and plenty of others. But the point is that that indicates either that somebody with, you know, intelligence level manipulation to be able to do something like that on WhatsApp is checking what people are sending him and either deleting them, reading them, looking at them, catalog, whatever. Or it could be him hiding somewhere or whatever else. That's certainly possible. My gut tells me that this is this is exactly what you might think it is. That's just my opinion. Again, when there's actual proof of whether or not this is what's happening, that will bring it to you. But sadly, my, what I see so far, and what we have seen reported, and what I've reported, I think it's pretty clear, my, my opinion, is that this is whatever, who, whatever, whatever entity was involved with this is trying to keep track of what we know and what's happening. Reading them, deleting them, you know, Dan Cohen's been reporting on this as well, as she said. And it's a little it's pretty disconcerting. Um, I, I don't know if you want to play the video of uh, Gonzalo actually talking or if you want me to talk about what this article um, well, did effectively. Well, I mean, I mean, he, he uh, has been uh, clearly talking about uh, what's been going on in Ukraine from the ground. Mm. Uh, and this mm. has clearly upset some people. So. So the the uh, mm. the image that we had on screen there, if we can just bring that back on screen, mm. um, this is from the Daily Beast, and mm. I have to say, this the headline on this is how a sleazy American dating coach became a pro Putin shill in Ukraine. I mean, we talked about this already. Can you even believe that this is the this is the current level? Yeah, now obviously the Daily Beast in the mind of the wet the corporate media circles doesn't have the same you know. Same, uh, what, what caliber veneer, whatever you want to talk about as the, you know, the main, the CNNs and the C Fox News, whatever else. But this is main corporate media, right? This is the same. But this, guys, is no different than what you see on CNN or anywhere else. They just use these ones to pump out stuff like this. This is the current level of your corporate media. This is what they're willing to put out. This is absolute garbage. I mean, as I said before, even if you want to pretend all of this stuff is real, which I, I don't even believe that. My point is it's irrelevant. What does this have to do with anything that he's been discussing around Ukraine that he's seeing on the ground? Yes, there's a, there is a small part of the conversation, as always, that should be about whether he, you know, here's his, basically whether you're trustworthy, right? But when it comes to information being presented in data and facts and ob video and con observation, it's a small part. It's a part, as always, the credibility of the person reporting matters, but it's about the information being pre being presented, not what he did 20 years ago, not what he did 10 years ago, not what he used to say online. That is irrelevant other than a small part, but that's the entire focus of this entire discussion. Here's what this guy does and what he is and pro-Putin shit, a bunch of subjective allegations and his in about his intent, about what he feels. I mean, this is disgusting, guys. This is what they're allowed to do. How, you want to explain for me how you can prove what his intentions are? Oh, just like we know, wink, wink, Putin's playbook, right? Because we know. No, you don't. And you're a bunch of children lying about people as it progresses your career. It's disgusting. And then we know if this is, of course, we know that this could have led to exactly what we're worried happened. Because that's the point. 
hey, guys, in this neo-Nazi intelligence group, look at this guy doing what we shouldn't be doing. That's what, that's what this is, and it's disgusting. And we're going to get into how they're now – the people involved with this are now literally calling out Patrick Lancaster and people involved with the UK column. It's happening right now. Is that okay with everybody that they're, ne- they're just going to the next per- – how about let's get Patrick next? This is very upsetting. Mm. I read this article, and and you're saying, Vanessa, <laughs> the article has actually been toned down slightly since it's original. Right. That's also the point is they never edited it now because they know we're paying so much attention to it. So they tone it down. What does that show you? It means they know that they got that they are hiding that. They know the people. They don't, there's certain people that want them. To, they want to be along with their narrative that they know that this might push them over the edge and go, whoa, wait a minute, I don't agree with that. So they tone it down. And this is why things like the edit button on Twitter are dangerous ideas because they just update these things. They don't tell anybody. And then when you point at it and they look at it, they go, this isn't that bad. And you go, oh, wait, it was different before. And they go, oh, you conspiracy theorist. That's how that works. Version. But this I was, probably, so, yeah. this was probably the worst hit piece that I have seen on anyone uh, in any of the Western media at any time, including what we're already, uh, include what we're already pretty disgusting hit pieces on you and, and others but you in particular. So, you know, what are your thoughts on the fact that, that, that a, a mainstream media outlet is publishing material like this? Well, I mean, effectively, you know, this is weaponization of the media against uh, independent media and activists who are reporting um, a counter, a narrative to counter the, 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 the legacy media narratives, particularly in Ukraine, but equally previously in Syria and, and in all the other kind of war arenas. Now, this article, I agree with you, is is absolutely disgusting. I mean, this came out in March. Gonzalo Lira himself put out a video saying that if he disappears, then he lays the blame at the Daily Beast and the author of this article. The article, um, I have to say, also attacks um, Gonzalo for his stance, for his COVID stance. Obviously, he's he's anti-vaccination. Um, it sort of relates him to QAnon and Trump, which is the typical far-right framing. Um, he attacks, as you say, his his sleaze, his misogyny. And I'm, when I'm saying that this is the framing of the article, I'm certainly not confirming anything that was in that article. This is incredibly important. The, the framing of this that we're talking about, okay, well, you know, without anything to actually verify or prove what they're saying, that we're just going to sidestep into, uh, you know, because of his vaccine stance, well, therefore he is conservative Trump, this, whatever. That is intentional because that then ties back in with the idea that the big threat of all of this is because of the conservative Trump side, which don't forget is what they intend to blame everything on. And that's not my opinion. That's already been set. That's already happening. I'm going to make that even more clear as we go through some of the weird contradictions of the Aza Battalion groups. Things that I'll show you later, such as the fact that they're apparently predominantly Russian speaking. These things don't make sense unless you understand the way that it was meant to go. We'll get to that. Various independent media have reviewed the article and looked into the so-called experts that were pulled in to speak against uh, Gonzalo, and and they are pretty um, suspect and compromised themselves, which is very similar, of course, to the kind of Olivia Solon Guardian-type attacks on on myself and Eva Bartlett and other people that were reporting um, on on the war against Syria. Um, so we shouldn't really be surprised, but but I think 
the, the, the frightening thing here is that we really are seeing very clearly the weaponization of media um, against individuals and effectively the doxing and putting at risk of those individuals. Right. So uh, I just want to say in the chat box, somebody said, don't forget about the attacks on the likes of uh, Mike Eden and so on. I, I, I just want yeah. to make this clear. I think there's a very distinct uh, escalation between uh, an attack on Mike Eden living in Europe, uh, on us in the UK, and you in Syria, effectively a war zone, and him in Ukraine, absolutely a war zone, right? There's a difference there because this is, because if, if, he has come to harm. Uh, this is, you know, the, the fact that they have published this attack in the way that they have has encouraged that harm. Uh, and yeah. that is something that goes way beyond the criticism, justified or not, of any individual or organization in a Western country, which is not in a war zone. Mm, absolutely. Totally agree. Okay, well, look, uh, let's, uh, let's move on and look at the author of this, um, this <laughs> article. And this is Mark Hay. Well, I mean, I think it's important to, if, if people um, should read this Daily Beast article, because it is absolutely disgusting. Um, the author, as you say, is a Mark E. Hay, who writes for um, uh, media organizations like Vice, which is known to, to effectively um, be a mouthpiece for, for neoliberal um, state policy. Um, the Daily Beast and a, and a huge number of, of other compromised media outlets. But let's look at what he's mainly, um, his primary beat at the moment. So bear in mind, he, he, he um, criticized um, uh, Gonzalo Lira for his misogyny, for, for being, um, um, what is it, a, a, a consultant on, um, on sex, basically. But, I mean, just as just for an exercise, I looked at the articles that this Mark Guy has written in, in recent months, in 2022 and 2021. So <laughs> let's start with penis-shortening devices that alleviate painful sex are on the rise. You can have a great sex life with genital herpes, the private lives of straight men with sugar daddies. Think about how ridiculous this is. You can't really see the titles, but what she's reading off, I mean, this is the first thought that came to mind. So you're going to attack this guy for having a sexual mentality or whatever, like he's, you know, training be only because you want to frame him as a misogynist, right? He's a man. So he's not allowed to, to tell people how to live their lives in a sexual, like it's, isn't it interesting that you're on one side of this, you're arguing that you, you how dare you criticize people's sexual lives and what they're allowed to do. And you're normalizing these, these kind of conversations. But yet when he talks about them, you don't like how he's doing it. So you're allowed to come out and say, well, he's gross. He's a misogynist because he doesn't like this. So you are allowed to criticize people's sexual preferences. Okay. But only when, only through a certain lens and only from a certain political side, I get it. So you guys are ridiculous hypocrites. I understand. I mean, it's just so plainly stupid. These people pretend like one thing is bad, but then it's only, but if you come out and do the same thing in that direction, it's completely, Oh, how dare you? You're, you're a racist. You're a misogynist. You're a bigot or whatever. And yes, those people do exist, but I think it's ridiculous that they want to just lash out and frame him for something that has, by the way, that has literally nothing to do with what actually this, what it was really about, which is Ukraine and what he's discussing on the ground. It just makes me sick. I have inflammatory bowel disease. Here's how it affects my sex life. Um, I won't carry on, but people can see the, the list if they, Mike, is um, this, which effectively... Um, 
what they admit is that they have given the information in the article to the Ukrainian government, so we have to assume to the SBU, to the um, security agencies. Um, Gonzalo on his actual Telegram channel pointed out that in before the article was published, he received a 13-page email, and in the first page, um, Mark Hay told him that if you would prefer to send these to your attorneys prior to responding. So clearly, from the offset, this was going to be a hit piece right. and a piece that would effectively dox Lira to uh, the authorities in an area that is infested and controlled by um, the Nazi battalions. I mean, and it's on the record, guys. This is the incredible part. It's on the record. They it's discuss, they made a point to send this information to these people. Like just because the game is to pretend they're not the bad people they are, but don't worry, we'll get to that section where I make it very undeniably clear that their own image, which has always been the case, but in this case Stanford specifically, but their own information explains exactly what they are right up until March 2022. It's this is I don't even see how this is not a crime. And if we're going to pretend that doxing is a crime in, in a like this on this per, this Washington Post reporter can scream and cry about how be, about doxing, but then go out and dox somebody like it's obvious that this is so far above uh, beyond what is supposed to be. And even like, what's the right way to frame this again? I, I don't even want to go with that. I don't even want to get into that. This is a crime. This is criminal activity, especially if it leads to something like this, especially when you know the people that they're shouting it to. This is like reaching out to a known murderer and giving the location of somebody they wanted to murder and then watching that murder happen and acting like I didn't do anything just because you want to pretend the guy's not really a murderer. I mean, this it's just it's incredible to me. And this person in particular, hey, and I'll show you his Twitter account again, should be accountable for this. But so, too, should the Daily Beast. But let's not pretend or let's let's not pretend like people like in that position actually make their own decisions in regard to what they write about and how it goes and the slant. That's not how mainstream works. We know that from any mainstream reporter that comes out of it and tells you the reality. People like Alison Morrow. It's completely controlled. No Nazi battalions. I mean, I'm not exaggerating this. She's not. Then if we come on to another so-called journalist who's operating inside Kharkov. Um, the, the trans one that we've talked about before that is... It's just strange the timing of the, the whole thing with the trans switch. And I, I mean, are we really going to pretend like these people that we know that they are, at least in some regard, and, and that, by the way, have spo- spoken out aggressively against the LGBTQ movement are going to allow this individual to be part of what they're doing? I mean, it doesn't make any sense. This is part of the agenda. Who was the first, I believe, to publicize the fact that uh, Gonzalo had allegedly been arrested by the Ukrainian secret services in Kharkov. Um, Now, she uh, frames him again as a Russian saboteur. So she effectively puts his life at greater risk by claiming that not only is he an independent journalist, she claims that he's Chilean Russian spy. He's a Russian... With no evidence, by the way. Let's not forget that, that that's not important, though, to the corporate media, apparently. Evidence doesn't even matter as long as it looks the way we like it to look journalism you know but here before we go past it because this is the person we're talking about this is a trans person out there reporting in ukraine apparently by the way who just got i guess became a member of the military we'll show you that in a minute later the one that they retweeted but here is the reports on ukraine you know before this all started this was 2020 hate crimes against lgbt people in ukraine the attacks have become more and more organized oh and this is before everything started so you can't blame russia guys this is the us backed government that is openly attacking people in the lgbtq movement 
right? It's being reported on right in front of you. But that, it all goes away because we're not allowed to point at what they're capable of doing now that we're supposed to pretend that they're on the good guy side. But here is the reporting that's also happening even during that time frame, because this is during, this is March 2022. And this is a very ridiculous, of course, pointing back to Vice News, she just referenced trans people stranded alone in Ukraine following Russia's invasion. Now you'd read three seconds into this and it had the only thing that, that, that these people are terrified of the group that they're right now under, which is the Ukrainian government. Yes, Russia's invasion has created a situation where they're afraid to leave their houses. But why are they afraid to leave their houses? Because of the people currently there. And it's even clear in the article because they're not because of exactly this, because the very people that are there circulating the Azov Battalion and everybody else are the people that hurt them. And that's the clear. And even Vice News won't even say that in their headline and try to make it look like Russia. It's pretty pathetic. So ask yourself why this person would suddenly not be in trouble or have a problem or be or why they would be promoted into the military. It, I mean, certainly, I guess anything's possible, but it simply doesn't line up with what they were just saying about this very government right before this started. Let's just pretend like they all completely reformed right before and simultaneously, right? Russian saboteurs. So this language in itself is going to um, frame him to the Ukrainian security services, and she is embedded um, in the same area that he was reporting from. Now, people might say, well, okay, who is she, um, and what influence is she, he, I will say now, going to have? So let's have a look at Sarah Ashton uh, Cirillo. She calls herself a journalist. Uh, right in that very picture, you can see neo-Nazi symbols on their on their arms. I mean, this shouldn't even be a hard thing to point out anymore because they don't even seem to care about it anymore. Um, she is uh, transgender, um, and she's based, as I said, uh, in Kharkov. But there is a lot more uh, to Sarah Ashton or Sarah Ashton Cirillo than meets the eye. If we move on um, to, to the next image, this is taken from a Daily Beast article um, from 2021, where one of the pictures there demonstrate that um, she changed from uh, Michael John Cirillo to Sarah Ashton Cirillo, and here she is posing in front of an Obama change poster um, to reinforce that fact. But let's look at the, the Daily Beast article. The headline... Um, don't, <clears throat> don't miss what it says right there, by the way. I, I believe she references it, but the genesis of her decision to delve into that world, I guess the world of transgender, she says, was her exposure to... I mean, I'm not sure of the reference. I should probably point it out, but exposure to a Kentucky family composed of Nazi and white nationalist end-time preppers. For three months in 2018, she lived and worked with a friend on the family farm, a openly Nazi white nationalist farm, just to find herself, apparently. <laughs> Anybody buy that? And she saw firsthand that there was a, uh, a seismic political shift underway. The family had not voted in a presidential election for 36 years, but they were now ardent Trump supporters. You see my point? Their aggressive and flimsy effort to always tie this back to somehow just to Trump in general. Like, like it's, I mean, it's just incredible. Like, therefore, because that, therefore, Trump is white supremacist. Like, that's just child level logic. But nonetheless, now we have yet another connection to an uh, an obvious Nazi white supremacist ideology, even to the reporter that's now embedded with those ideologies that they pretend aren't there, who's then now getting people, hopefully not, but sadly, seeming more and more likely killed.
It's just becoming ridiculous how many ties they have to the very thing that these people claim they're fighting in the United States. All these people lost the two-party paradigm, predominantly, but not only, by the way, there's conservatives on this too, but liberals and Democrats on this side of the two-party illusion screaming that we need to stand with Ukraine. Even though they right now on their own documentation shout out how liberals and, and the very idea of their ideology is the exact thing they want to remove from the planet. Work that one out for yourselves. And I'll show it to you directly from their own documentation from Stanford. But they're out there going, I stand with you and sending their donations. And they're going, screw you. You suck. <laughs> Think about that. But let's look at the, the Daily Beast article. The headline um... This undercover operative says she recruited the Proud Boys for the GOP, uh, which, of course, is the Republican National Committee. Now, I'm also going to just read very quickly the, the kind of tagline of this article. So, trans poker player, she was previously a high-level uh, poker player and progressive, in inverted commas, who went undercover and cozied up to right-wing extremists, a state Republican party desperate to see Trump win. So this was in 2020. Um, Vegas-based GOP consultant and the Proud Boys, who are designated a far-right paramilitary group who were allegedly involved in the so-called January 6th Capitol attack, which is another subject altogether. Um, <clears throat> so effectively, what we learn from of course, don't miss the obvious tieback. You will never see, you will never, you should never miss the obvious tieback to all the things we keep pointing out. January 6th, Donald Trump, blah, 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 right? And I'm, that's not to point out anything other than the illusion that they're trying to create, right? And that's not to suggest that there are not dangerous people with dangerous ideologies in these very groups. Or, I mean, if that's just the reality, no matter where you point, on the Democrat side too, guys. The point is that this is meant to tie back to them. And then the real thing not to forget is what these people like Cirillo actually tie back to. And the CIA connections and how this is being built and how it's obviously some kind of manipulation that ties directly back to the funding and the arms and the control of the intelligence agencies that they are trying. I mean, and they're the ones then tie back to everything else that they're trying to blame you for. The growing white supremacy threat. How can it be possible that the very people they point to, like the Rise Above movement, provably are directly tied to the Aza Battalion, who is then directly tied to the CIA? And yet they're pretending the Rise Above movement is a rising white supremacist threat that ties back to Trump and we all have to fight it? How can that be true if they're the ones funding it right from the beginning? I mean, it's not hard to point out. That's why they're trying to kind of conflate the narrative right now, even though there's a lot of parts that have already been put in play. From that. Um, is that Sarah Ashton Cirillo acted or embedded herself in these uh, alleged far-right sectors um, in order to uh, expose them and to expose their plot to flip the election, particularly uh, in the Nevada GOP. Think about how obvious this is. So the very person that's now in Ukraine reporting on Ukraine information from a very aggressive, like, right-wing bad narrative, except she's literally embedded with right-wing extremists, <laughs> I mean, or whatever that even means in the context today. Think about that. And yet, and ties back to January 6th, ties back to everything. And then yet she's literally right now embedded with these extremist fascist entities. How does that even possibly make sense unless there's an illusion going on? Unless this is part of some kind of agenda? 
or she's just that stupid and not aware that she's literally fighting the or pretending or I don't know how you would even frame this embedded with the very people that she's under some illusion of exposing. Is she going to later expose the Oz Battalion? Is she later going to be the group that comes out and says, oh, it's in fact Russia that built the Oz Battalion because I've been embedded with them and I can tell. That's an interesting prediction. We'll see what happens. Towards um, a Trump victory. But if we move on to a later article that came out um, one, I think, two months after the Daily Beast article, we see there liberal trans activist Sarah Ashton Cirillo reflects on the FBI investigation of her Trump loyalist opponent, threats against her, and the book. Of course, she manages to write a book about her time undercover, which was extremely successful. Um, it also then propelled her to become um, uh, a candidate for Nevada City Council, where she ran um, against uh, a Trump supporter, Michelle Fiore. And effectively, what happened was that the FBI used the information that she had gathered during her um, undercover operation as a journalist um, to discredit uh, Michelle Fiore and a number of other Republican um, um, activists and, and politicians. At Just so happens to be the person that she's running against. I mean, think about that for a second. So she goes into this this under this underground, you know, investigation. And and please sense the skepticism in, in Vanessa's voice because it's I'm very skeptical as well of the framing. And not connected, apparently not even not even knowing you're going to run for this election, and it just so happens to expose the person that you end up running against. To take, I mean, guys, this is what it looks like to watch the, the whether CIA or whatever else you want to point at some kind of manipulated agenda roll out in front of you. It's just ridiculous. Now, I'm not saying I know exactly how this has been put into fruition in the, as it pertains to her, but. If you're watching all of this and hearing all of this and standing back and going, yeah, that perfectly makes sense, all the way right up to Ukraine, to Gonzalo, to everything. I mean, guys, this is just unreal. This is obvious to me, but I'm hoping you're coming to your own conclusions. The time. Um, my reaction to this, um, and it's pure speculation, but to me, what it strikes me as, considering that she is now again embedded with far-right ultra-nationalists and Nazi elements in Ukraine, is that she is effectively far-right. She is a Nazi supporter, and in my view, the FBI pressured her into providing this information and perhaps acting as an informant. But when I actually looked into her history, I found that she'd also been in Ankara in Turkey in 2012 and later again in 2015 with connection to um, the Syrian conflict. Um, she'd also been involved in Haiti, in China, in Panama, in Argentina, with UN missions in a number of these countries. So this is actually not a, a kind of... I'm not saying she's particularly intelligent, but she's not a low-level operator. She's someone that has clearly been weaponized throughout her um, career, if, if you want to call it that. And just the trans part of it is obviously relevant, guys. I mean, with the way this agenda is going forward from like a global perspective, right? I mean, it's just very obvious from whether we're talking Great Reset ideas or anything else. I mean, it's it's pretty interesting that it just so happens to be you fill in the blank with every with the 15 different points that fall into place when you look at this story.
for some time. Um, and then if we come on to her pretty disgusting tweets, which kind of mirror the language that um, Hay used in his Daily Beast article, right. uh, here she is effectively completely dehumanizing uh, Russians as orcs. Um, if you fight for the war criminals from Russia against Ukraine, you are an orc, a pig dog, an animal, definitely not human. So this is blatant dehumanization of anyone that is speaking out against um, the Ukrainian regime, Zelensky's regime, which we can't forget has disappeared a huge number um, of activists and journalists and even uh, political parties like, for example, the Communist Party, which we'll come on to. And we talk, we'll get into that today as well. And I mean, the idea, just to flip that language in reverse. I mean, it doesn't even matter whether you're, let's just say somebody has no intention to make this about any kind of religion or race or anything. And they're just talking about another group and they say, you are inhuman, right? You are, you are subhuman. You shouldn't exist. Well, in every possible case that they can, they'll just make that into something that's anti-Semitic or racist or whatever else. And it certainly could be. But they'll say that without any evidence if they want that to be. If I if I simply said the, the Israeli government is subhuman because of their actions, which is a pretty fair statement because their actions are pretty disgusting, not pretty, are overtly gross and disgusting where they just murder people. So too does the U.S. government, the people we've talked about plenty. Well, of course, they would make that a racist statement. They would say, you hate Jewish people. Did I even say that? But you see, in the reverse, it doesn't matter. You are literally espousing the kind of things that we are discussing, and it's a one-sided narrative as always. It should bother people. So let's see who she's effectively defending and who she's embedded with this time. Um, Alexei B is uh, the boatman, one of the most prominent members of um, <clears throat> the Azov Battalion. The boatman crew, of course, were the brigade which were present in um, Basho, where, where the alleged uh, crimes were carried out by the Russian army, despite the fact that they had already um, withdrawn from the area. So we see here a pretty disgusting um, mockery of Gonzalo Lira's plight. Um, on, on the left-hand side, he's saying, if anyone knows where Gonzalo Lira is, please make a single bicep pose. Um, below, he's um, retweeting someone who's basically saying, we don't know for sure if he's dead. They might still be torturing him. And on the right is the Kraken symbol. Kraken, which uh, is translated as crabs, um, is one of the Azov battalions uh, in Kark operating in Kharkov and the battalion that allegedly arrested um, Gonzalo Lira, or captured, I should say. Now, here is an interesting thing to think about. And I know this is going to, all the all the lost two-party conservatives out there are going to love this. And I shouldn't even do that because hopefully this will bring you into the reality that it's a two-party illusion. But what about the whole release the Kraken conversation? Do we forget about that? Think about how that ties to what we're talking about right now. This is something that was pushed forward by people like, I mean, think about it like this. Just an interesting conversation. Not that I can prove that this is exactly what's happening, but somebody like, just the people involved with Trump's legal team and the push forward there. We know there's a lot of people that like, let's just say from a page of the conversation that Trump was manipulated. You know, they didn't realize that he was allowed to be in that position and he was meant to be there so they could blame things on him. So they could suppress the groupings that would be the most resistant to martial law and whatever else thinking that he was in control, you know, however you want to look at it, or he's completely part of it. It's up, it's up for you. 
But think about the people around him that after this talked about release the Kraken, doing all this thing. Okay, then it doesn't really go anywhere. Then it looks like, and the arguments made, this is some sort of undermining the election and all this different conversation that gets tied back to the white supremacist threat that they're building and they're trying to overthrow the government, right? Then all of a sudden you go, wait a minute, there's an Azov battalion group that, that, that ties to this Kraken conversation. And then it all of a sudden comes out that this group is the what they were referencing. And now see, they're releasing the white supremacy threat around the world. And like I, you wouldn't even need to prove any of this, guys. They could literally just lay out this discussion point and float it in the narrative in the Western press and people would go crazy. If there was not an obvious connection to the CIA that we've painted and plenty of others have made clear to the very thing that we're talking about. If you didn't see that, do you know how easy it would be to make this abstract connection to the group that's there and it's all because Russia and then Trump was working with him because of the, you know, how he loves Russia. We know how this would go. Now, this is just a hypothetical thought. My point is to see how obvious this has been laid out. This has been clearly built to make this argument, however they patch it together. But I just can't miss how interesting that is. And you keep seeing these ties back to January 6th and Donald Trump and these different connections. It seems pretty interesting, but just bear that in mind that I believe quite strongly that this is all meant to be laid at the feet of that concept. And I don't believe, I actually believe we've pretty much broken this. So it's not going to be exactly what you might expect. And that may indicate that I was wrong in the first place, right? That's, you consider that as well. But the point being, this is still going to go forward in some broken way. They're still going to make this happen because they can't just be like, yep, you got us. We're funding fascists or whatever. They're going to find a way to bend and contort this into what they want it to be. And maybe that is just giving up on it altogether and waiting for a different, because I mean, who knows, but there's too much of this that's quite obvious. And the group they're pointing at here is the group that's, in my opinion, basically taking credit and then tried to censor themselves, even though we have the way back machine, that they very clearly know something happened to him. He then goes on to say the irony of Gonzalo Lira, a Chilean being caught by a guy with the call sign Chile is hilarious. And he then uh, publicly states that let's hope the beheading pops up on Telegram soon. I mean, what is extraordinary here, and it's just occurred to me, is the number of Twitter accounts that are being um, disappeared and and cancelled that are, uh, you know, very professionally speaking out against Ukrainian uh, propaganda and speaking, even uh, Scott Ritter speaking on a military basis about the war in Ukraine, they're being cancelled. Yet this guy, who is clearly calling for the beheading um, of an independent Chilean national who's been reporting from Kharkov, is allowed to stand. And, you know, as if you want any further proof, here is Sergei Boatsman uh, Kuratik of the Azov Battalion, so the same guy, who beheaded Shamil Odomanov uh, for being Dagestani in a murder video from 2007. So certainly not... Um, an innocent Nazi. Uh, then we go on, you see Sarah Ashton Cirillo now leading a campaign against another independent journalist who's, who's based in Donbass, but we can't, you know, we can't rule out the fact that there are still uh, sleeping cells even in Donbass, so Patrick Lancaster is still at risk, as are all the journalists that are operating either in Donbass Uh, Donbass or uh, in Ukraine and and trying to provide some kind of balance or or, um, truth on on this actual uh, conflict. Um, Those include uh, Pablo Gonzalez, who now has been um, disappeared for 50 days. He was arrested in 
Poland. Um, the Twitter free Pablo Gons is uh, the account to go to, to to follow the appeals for his release or even for any information about his whereabouts. Um, I will uh, follow this up with an article on the extraordinary number of journalists and activists and, as I said, Communist Party members that have been targeted and disappeared, executed, um, imprisoned, tortured by the Zelensky regime. Of course, this is what is extraordinary is we're talking about this on the day that journalists have been forbidden entry to Julian Assange's extradition uh, trial in the UK. And while uh, Boris Johnson's um, regime is calling for press freedom, yet under Zelensky's regime, we're seeing the systematic disappearance, torture, execution, assassination of political opposition, of activists and of journalists. Here, for example, sorry. Well, I was just going to say it goes beyond that, Vanessa, because, of course, the the UK government has been uh, certainly beginning with the the height of the Syrian conflict, uh, demanding safety for journalists in conflict (laughs) zones and, and, uh, you know, trying to to take a lead on this. But you have to be the right kind of journalist. And just since you mentioned Assange, I'll just mention it because uh, this broke just, just before we came on air. Uh, and uh, so the court has approved uh, the extradition of Assange to the, if that's a word, of in Poland 50 days ago, uh, and so on. So, so uh, sorry, there was just one final uh, graphic here. Yeah, and I mean, I was just going to mention a couple of. I, I mentioned Pablo Gonzalez, who was um, arrested in Poland 50 days ago. Oleg uh, Novikov, an opposition activist, as Gonzalo Lira tweeted out from Krakow persecuted in the past by the Zelensky regime, was kidnapped on the 5th of April at 6 a.m. He's disabled. He he only has one leg and has three young children. And as far as we know, he hasn't yet um, been uh, released. Of course, uh, Gonzalo Lira also has family and two children. The reports on Gonzalo Lira have been very sparse in Western media. Um, CNN Chile put out one report and then seemed to remove it from their website, but you can find it. God, I mean, this is just so disgusting. It's to so CNN Chile can put out a post and remove it. Like, what does that show you? So it's not important that this person's missed. I mean, it, this is a, this is an aggressive cover up of something they don't want you to see. These people are going missing and being killed in real time. This is like the fifth person. We're going to show you some more next. These are real people that are covering story. Now, whether or not you agree with their coverage, they're being taken in a place where like this, they're supposed to be the democratic government fighting for freedom and, and transparency. That's what, what Zelensky runs on this trans, this, this whole pr- uh, platform of, of uh, what's the term they used, you know, just the, going the, the uh, going away from corruption and trying to bring everything. And that's the opposite of what's happening. Obviously. Can you imagine for one second if this was happening in Russia or anywhere else, they would lose their minds. I mean, they do about the hypothetical conversations. How about in Syria? How about anywhere else? They'd like you to see it. Again, as Julian Assange is is currently being extradited despite any actual, I mean, despite even breaking the law. Let's be real about the story, guys. Um, On the archive version. um, Also, um, Yuri uh, took. Tukhachev, um, a neutral observer of the war in Ukraine, whose sole fault was that he did not cheerlead on the Zelensky regime but loved Ukraine, was kidnapped from his home in Odessa and apparently um, 
was tortured in the process, according to the the Twitter thread that follows on from from that announcement. Um, and I think you know, if people want to know what to do to raise awareness about Gonzalo, I did try contacting the Chilean embassy in Poland to effect who, who honestly was useless. Um, the Chilean Communist Party is being very reactive and is trying to help. So I would suggest um, contacting them. I will try to put something out either through UK column or uh, on Twitter as regards the addresses and telephone numbers for people to use. Um, but I would also suggest um, raising awareness here and writing to uh, parliamentarians here, you know, and to, to point out the sheer hypocrisy that someone like Gonzalo Lira can be completely disappeared, um, potentially tortured, potentially killed. We don't know yet. I mean, I'm praying not. I'm praying that this is a psyop to strike fear, for example, into the hearts of the independent journalists uh, there, like Patrick Lancaster, even like Eva Bartlett, of course, who, who has been a number of times um, to Donetsk and Lugansk in the past. Hmm. It's, it's disconcerting, guys, and I, I, I really sadly don't feel good about where this is going, but I, I definitely will wait to see more, and I'm waiting to hear more from Vanessa, Eva, and plenty of others that are, you know, Oh, and we'll go through the next part of this to let you know what else they're waiting on here. But it's just so obvious how hypocritical this all is. Now that, I again, hope you'll watch the rest of that video yourself. Here is my previous discussion over this information broken down in a, a uh, this is a 17-minute clip, so you can see the coverage of that on BitChute. But let's go through really quickly the parts that she was breaking out so you can have this for yourself. This is just a one-shot uh, image breakdown of some of the things that were on Twitter that have now been deleted. Here's the Daily Beast article. If you'd like to read through this, don't forget that they've already edited this without letting you know what actually said before. Here's Mark Hayes' Twitter account if you'd like to let him know what you think about what he did, because I recommend you do. But as I said before, don't be don't be like them, right? You know, feel free to let him know, but don't do it in a way that is going, you know, whatever that they're going to frame as attacking or whatever else. Despite the fact, literally pointing out that he just did something disgusting, they will frame as you attacking a protected class because that's how they see themselves. I mean, even just the picture itself, <laughs> I shouldn't get it. But the point is, guys, this is somebody who deserves to be told what just happened and what he's a part of. Now, on top of that, here are the, uh, I just want to give Annabelle another shout out for, for being the one that I got the link from to save this. Here are the tweets that are still on the way back machine that are undeniable. This is Boatsman himself, Alexi B, who has first put his account on private, then deleted the entire thing and is acting like we're, I'm being lied about. That didn't happen, you utter coward, because you clearly love to stand up and shout these things out, even if you were making it up, which I don't think you were, and then you run from it like a child. The irony of Gonzalo Lira, a Chilean being caught by a guy with the call sign Chile, is hilarious. Anyway, let's hope the beheading pops up on Telegram soon. Either he's lying about this or he knew something that we didn't. Either way, this was being covered up. People like CNN, Chile, they don't care about this. It's easy to find. It's being reported all over the place. Here's the links. I show it every time. But somehow they just don't have this information in front of them, which means it's obvious they don't want you to know it's there, which tells you something, doesn't it? Because this is very verifiably his account, verifiably part of the Azov Battalion. Here's the picture he posted with the Azov Battalion, the you know Wolf's Angel Nazi symbol, which is exactly what it is. No, it's not an I and an N. That's a childish level argument. It is obviously the Wolf's Angel symbol, and that's what it always was, which is a Nazi symbol. And it says, if anyone knows where Gonzo Lear is, please show by single bicep pose. Either pretending to know or knows. 
This person follows up saying, hey, man, give, a, give Gonzalo back to us. And he simply says, do you support the Russian invasion? Not denying that he did it. Then, of course, deletes it. Hides the whole thing. Now the count is no longer there. And they're pretending like it didn't exist. They're literally making the argument, and the Western press is not trying to delude you of that argument, that this has been made up. It's right in front of you. Please share this with whoever you'd like to. Now here is Carmen uh, Ranieri pointing out this is so-called journalist. This is the Sarah Ashton Cirillo cheering the capture of, of Gonzo. Don't forget that she literally said, hooray, he's been captured, she says. It's right in front of you. How does she know that? Is she wrong? Is she lying? Is it, the point is that she's directly tied into this. She's directly tapped into the Western press. And we're pretending like she, her literally stating on the record that he's a spy and he's been captured is irrelevant as we pretend we don't know what's going on. He is allegedly a Russian saboteur posing as a journalist, she says, to destroy Ukraine. There's zero evidence, by the way, and frankly, I find that to be insultingly incorrect. Congrats to Ukrainian security services. Don't forget, this is after the Daily Beast put out their hit piece. Right? Or technically, the tweet wasn't. I apologize. This, Oh, no, it was. It was. I was going to say, that doesn't even make sense. March, and this is April. So the point is, this was out. They basically said, here he is. You guys should do something about it. Then something happens, and she comes out, he comes out, and says, yay, it happened. And this person falls up. What do you expect from a so-called journalist embedded with neo-Nazis, which is what these symbols mean, which is what this Azov Battalion verifiably is, and what she, he, has verifiably embedded with. So again, either you embedded with them before for some kind of you know, inside operation to find out what they really were and expose it to the world, and then are doing it now again, which I would argue, if that is what he is doing, and that got found out by the Oslo Battalion, that would be pretty risky for him, wouldn't it? So maybe that's not what they want to be found out. Or you were lying in the first place, and this is an operation, and you're doing this to spread the kind of argument that we just laid out. Either way, guys, something's amiss here, isn't it? Because right now, literally embedded with the most obvious fascist extremist level group that I can point at right now. Quite interesting. Then Jay points out Nevada Democrat op working with Ukrainian alt-right forces in Kharkiv. Now, remember, this is the whole operation, the GOP manipulation. Again, is that literally what he's doing now? Embedded with this group to, to do what? To expose that it was always tied to Trump, to Russia? I mean, does that seem like exactly what would make sense? Why would she? Why would he argue the opposite? Why would he come out going, no, these people, I mean, it just doesn't add up. Maybe because I, mean, I, 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 could, I could theorize all day long. But it says, now calling for the SBU death squads to kidnap Patrick Lancaster, as Vanessa showed you. Reporting from Donetsk, she he instigated the cap kidnap of journalist Gonzalo. This, this is his tweet right here. Excellent news. The Kremlin paid spy was spreading lies. Patrick, you're next. Yes, Patrick must go. It says it right there, and you can verify this stuff for yourself. Why is that not? Why is that a problem? Not a, this is literally calling for people to be killed. But this is what Twitter and everybody else is. This is why even Facebook said, "Yeah, right now you can go ahead and cheer on the very group that we wouldn't allow you to even speak about the Alza Battalion." I'll make that clear in a minute. Right? They literally did that. They just switched over and said, "Okay, now you can," because now it's we're supposed to allow you to talk about this thing right now. He was, it's Russian. Well, folks, there you have it. That he's a Russian spy. I'm literally in Kharkiv. Now, she points out in her, he own, his own tweet, Russian media, RT, just ran a hit piece on Gonzalo. 
or excuse me, ran a piece on Gonzalo, showing you what's happening, saying that he's reported missing and so on. His response is, one, is he really missing? Think about what that means, guys. This person's tweets before this stated that he was captured, stated and cheered on that he should be killed. Then in the quotes, why do you put it in quotes? This is so obvious it makes my teeth hurt. They are, at the very least, they are pretending to know that he's been killed or are very aware that he's been killed and are, are literally gloating about it. Is he really missing? RT admits Gonzalo criticized the Ukraine government. And guess what he says next? And, which, and the Ukrainian forces, which are both illegal right now. Exactly. Is that supposed to be a democracy? So you illegalize the, 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 the criticizing of the government? That's what fascist authoritarian governments do, right? And by the way, let's, not, let's be clear that in Russia, they're right now not allowing you to say things about certain things on social media, which is equally disgusting and dangerous. For those that want to pretend like that's not... The point here is that this is an obvious agenda, regardless of how bad you think the Russian government is. This is crazy. So because he criticized the government, that's acceptable. That's what he's saying. It's acceptable that, that this person was taken or killed because that was deemed illegal during this operation. That's what authoritarian governments do because that's what they are. This person follows up by saying, you're openly asking for another journalist with different perspectives to be tortured and killed by Ukrainians. No comment. And here's Vanessa's point on this. This is this is the person we're talking about right here. He, she certainly had previous connections to the Daily Beast who doxed Gonzalo Lira. These guys were too stupid to look into my progressive politics, Ashton Cirillo told the Daily Beast. Working with the FBI. Can we not see how this is going? Political wannabe opportunist profiteer and issue with issues is easy prey for intelligence agencies. Exactly. Ashton Cirillo is now running for Las Vegas City Council, and you heard Vanessa discuss what that was about. Finally, my point, Mika points out with her blue check, we have the first transgender woman officer in Ukrainian army. She made her her her, her post for friends only, so I know it won't her so her, I won't name her so far. Retweet by Sarah Ashton Cirillo. Now, whether that's her or somebody else, that does not make sense, guys. It just doesn't. And it's not because I misunderstand the situation. The facts are on the table. If you just don't want to look at them, that's not my fault. I'll explain it to you very clearly yet again, directly from the very outlet that they point at to make the argument about Russia. So either you trust that outlet, like they're trying to tell you to do, or you have an open mind like an honest person would, or the bottom line is if they're going to point to that outlet and say, here's what it says, therefore we know this, then you have to at least, if you're going to feel like that, which is dumb in the first place, then when I show it to you from the same group that says what the Azov truly is, if you feel like that's fake news, then you have to acknowledge they're lying to you on the other part of it too. I'm just trying to expose, I'm trying to find a way to break through to these people that are hypocritical in their own mind. Their own, they're creating their own cognitive dissonance, they don't even realize it. Next, here's the final point for Gonzalo Lira. Here is the current point of where we're at. This was yesterday, late yesterday, late afternoon. An account went on Twitter claiming to be Gonzalo Lira. Hey, everyone. It's been a wild last few days, but I'm all right. Thank you for your concern. Just starting to get my bearings. Hopefully, I can share more soon, but I'm safe. GL. Personally, doesn't even remotely sound like the kind of synapse, whatever you would call it, the way that people speak, or I guess that's speaking, but the way that they type. You know, the way it doesn't sound like what you could look at as a Twitter account. It just doesn't feel like him, but I could be wrong. 
He says, I've started this new account. We'll explain more later. Looking forward to telling you all what has really been going on. Ukraine truth. You missed me. And fur. And everybody's saying, confirm this is you. Fake. Whatever. I have no way of knowing. And neither does anybody else at this point, it seems. Here's another point. SBU, CIA, the usual suspects would love for me to take a photo holding up a newspaper or go live. Because obviously I wouldn't be going live or holding up a Ukrainian newspaper. Ukraine is no longer safe for someone like me. To do so would expose my current location. Don't really see why that makes sense. Pretty sure you could do that in plenty of ways that would not do that. At the very least, would show you that it is you. Now, definitely could be a typo because the V and the F are pretty close. But one thing that stood out to me was what's a very classic trans uh, of you know language barrier error. Save safe happens all the time, not because of the typo, but because you just aren't English language is not your first language. Stands out to me. But he does say safe down here in the other tweets. So just a thought. It says, I made it out of Ukraine. I'm a great personal risk. Going to say nothing of the funds and logistics. I made the account because others are compromised. I wanted to let people know who are worrying about me and so on. Goes over a bunch of things that I, you know, I don't, I don't know if this is him. Frankly, my gut tells me it's not. I don't know why. But there's plenty of other people that are seeing into this. And I will tell you what I think and the information we have as soon as it comes up. Eva Bartlett did say that there had rumors about the fact that he had got he was out and living in a, in a different location. Don't know if that's verified. We're all waiting to hear about that. But something about this just doesn't add up to me. And plenty of people down here are saying, look, like, you know, if you can tweet, you can do a video on Telegram. Like, there's plenty of obvious things that could happen with, with, without compromising your location. So this and, and why he wouldn't have done. I mean, he's the one stating that he wouldn't let this happen. Whether or not he was on the run, 12, 12 hours. If you don't hear from me for 12 hours, so none of that's been explained. So we're, as I understand it, there are things from Dan Cohen that, had, that were, he was in contact with the real Gonzalo Lira and waiting to try to confirm that in his own regard. Apparently, Eva Bartlett's doing the same because they have, they have been in communication with him for a long time and, and apparently has looked at them and, and but not responded. It's very strange. Now, if it gets responded to, there'll be ways to find out whether or not it's him based on the fact that there's kind of, you know, information that he would know or wouldn't know, right? So when that happens, we will let you know. I'm sure it'll come out on their own platforms on Vanessa's Eva, so follow them to make sure you hear what's going on here. Bottom line is, guys, that it seems very suspicious to me the way it's gone so far. So sadly, everything that seems to be pointing to what they did say happened, which is the idea that people like this boatsman have been standing up and yelling that this did happen, which was, where was that? What? I just had it up. Oh, it's right there. Right. The point is saying that hopefully the beheading pot will pop on Telegram soon. That That's where this seems to be pointing. And it really concerns me with where we're going to go next based on what we know about everybody else. Now, lastly, before we get to that, here is what the Russian government says. Not that you should believe this at face value, but you should definitely listen to what they're saying and consider it, just like you would anybody else, and consider that they would lie for their own agenda like any government would. Gonzalo Lira, a video blogger, author, and famous film director, and a citizen of Chile and the United States, has, by the way, that is the case, has not been in contact. And, and think about that, guys. An American citizen is missing, and your government doesn't seem to care. Imagine if this was in something that they could blame on Russia. And it was an American citizen that was missing. You know what would happen. 
everybody knows what would happen. So they're just not caring about this American citizen? Yes. Has not been in contact since April 15th after he went missing in Kharkov. He was where the action was, actively commenting on the events in Ukraine, first in Kiev and later in Kharkov. He honestly and professionally reported about the causes of the crisis and the ongoing outrages, including the Nazis' atrocities. His video reports have helped many people in the West see the truth. The far-right radicals hated what he did, and he started receiving threats. The liberal, queers, and honest Western journalism, the way they're saying it, which is often one and the same, echoed the neo-Nazi threats. And now these members of the public are merrily discussing Gonzalo's, I think they're referencing the same people we were pointing at, his referencing his disappearance and are openly threatening their colleagues who dare to speak out openly about the events in Ukraine without mincing words. Patrick Lancaster, you're next. And obviously they're referencing the same person. Tweeted a transgender journalist from Las Vegas who is reporting from Kharkov as often takes photos with the thugs from the so-called territorial defense forces. They are doing their best to cancel and cross out these, those who disagree with them. Sergey Korotakik, a.k.a. Boatsman, a chieftain in the neo-Nazi Oz of Italian, has hinted that his neo-Nazi Confederates could be involved in Gonzalo's disappearance. Quote, it is ironic that Gonzalo Lira, a Chilean, has been captured by the man whose alias was Chile. Anyway, hope to see the beheading video on Telegram soon. How do you like that? Now, they're pretending that's fake. When the U.S. government points at it, they're going to say it's fake because the Russian government said it, except the fact that we can prove that he actually said it and they're all trying to hide it. So when that happens and when the government, at the very least, or the Western press pretends like we don't know for sure, know they're lying. Because if somebody like me or anybody else can find that as easy as a quick search, so too can they. And they'll pretend like they don't know it's there. The tweet has been deleted because Lear is a U.S. citizen, but nothing can be deleted from the Internet without a trace. This is fresh proof that the cannibalistic liberal logic is so closely interconnected with the Nazi ideology that it's sometimes impossible to tell which is which. This is, indi- this is in, uh, indicative. P.S. We sincerely hope that the media mayhem raised by the Azov Nazis and Western propagandists is nothing more than theatrics and that Gonzalo, Gonzalo is, and his family are all well. Now, I don't the family part, I'm not sure why that was included. I don't believe that there were a threat, but it seems to align with what we're discussing. Now, here is why this is so concerning on more than just the information we have in front of us. According to information coming from a gigantic media outlet, which doesn't mean it's true, but nonetheless, blue check outlet supporting pro-Russian blogger Valerie Kuleshov was killed in Kherson under unclear circumstances. But it seems pretty clear to me, based on what we're staring at, that this was an attack. It is if it is reported that Kuleshov actively cooperated with the invaders and even applied for the position of chief of the occupation police of the city. Okay, so somebody who was okay with what the Russians were doing. Is that a crime? It's not a crime, especially if you haven't done anything militarily. But the point is that even if it was a crime, they're supposed to be taken into custody and go through, you know, a democratic process. Except these people couldn't be farther from even the illusion of democracy than anybody else I've ever seen. Here is a video, first of all, of outside the car. And here what they're saying is the traitor and famous pro-Russian pundit was killed this morning. See how this gets reported from the pro-Ukrainian side? He was a candidate to become the new head of occupation police. A number of unknown assailants shot him dead just after he left his apartment. Collaboration can be costly. You see what they're allowing right now, guys? They're, as long as they don't overtly come out and say, yay, we got him. Which, by the way, is what Cirillo is doing. Apparently, that's okay. They're literally going, we got him. We murdered this guy because he's collaborating with the Russian government. 
Вот, блядь, человек. Вот простреленная вся машина. Ёбаный урод. Да, Смотри. Ты же был еще на Okay. Now this this is being. I mean, look, I'm going to actually include this one too, so you don't get doesn't get lost. So this is this account has over a million followers. Not that that necessarily means real or false. It never should. But the point is that this is a gigantic outlet with a blue check that's telling you this person was shot. So we at the very least, and then very and then uh, reported from plenty other outlets. So as far as I can tell, this is confirmed to have happened. And then followed up by by very obvious pro outlets to what we're discussing here, 248,000, that he was a collaborator. And that's what happens. Picture taken before he decided to try to become head of Russian police. For the people writing about prosecution in court, most resistance movements have underground courts and Valerie had probably been sentenced to death by such a court. Oh, really? So they're just going to pretend to assume that they did their due diligence and processes under the underground. And then just shot him in the middle of the street in his car once they got that process. Yeah, yeah, right. That is so incredibly dishonest, but that's what's being allowed today. Here is another report telling you that, and this is a a more specific video, a pro-Russian blogger and refugee volunteer, he was killed. This morning was shot in his car near the entrance of this micro district. Same video. Here's the, here's the, uh, I have more, a video here that's more specific. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't see this one. Oh, right, right. I forgot. Oh, that's right. This was a thread. So he's got a lot of other videos in here that I was going to look at later for the most part. But this one specifically is the individual we're discussing. Now, here are the other videos I wanted you to see. Here is inside the car. Now, just, there's a, it shows a little bit of blood. It's not graphic other than that. So just heads up. Now the point is, guys, this was done in broad daylight. Guy was shot from both sides of the car and then just left. Now, I mean, that's why these people are there. I mean, there's there's nobody controlling the scene. There's no police. I mean, it's just, this is incredible. This is what it looks like in the area. And it's not because it's some destabilized Russian activity. This is this is literally what was happening before Russia invaded. And I've made that undeniably clear. I'll make it even more clear in a moment. Now, here is another situation. So this just happened. That just happened. This, by the way, is somebody following up on what just happened there, saying he posted this video, the video and this verbiage on his Telegram page on April 14th. Quote, I have been to this Ukraine-Russia border crossing. It's 40 kilometers to the north of Kharkov. I know it. This video is 100% accurate. It says violent criminals have been released from the Kharkov prisons. And I've seen this confirmed from a couple different places in regard to people coming from, like, I'm, I'm hearing reports of gangs coming from different groups, like from areas like Poland, and taking essentially taking advantage of weapons coming into the area, or people that are coming in in this regard to work as criminals for the the Azov regime. I mean, it's 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 seemingly absolute chaos, which is exactly what would make sense under an authoritarian regime that's allowing this kind of murder in day, broad daylight. Violent criminals have been released from Kharkov prisons, given uniforms and weapons, and are actively preventing civilians from leaving, which is what we're hearing from literally every video I can find coming out of these areas. It is decidedly creepy descent to see the video. I rode there on my motorcycle and presented the documentation at the window that now has sandbags all around it. These criminals are why it is no longer possible to leave Kharkov. It's not the Russians. It's the Zelensky regime thugs. The Zelensky regime is using civilians as human shields. That's why everybody here is trapped. 
Now, here are the reports we just showed you from before. An official in Ukraine has been terrorized by the CIA-trained SBU security services. This is the mayor of uh, Kapyansk released this video appealing to Zelensky to release his daughter, a 15-year-old, I believe, who is held hostage by the SBU. Watch it again for yourselves. This is real-time stuff, guys. This was the diplomat on the Ukrainian side who they who they accused of being a spy, but then later called him a hero, trying to pretending like, no, 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 it's not what you thought, even though the Aza Battalion stood up and said, we killed the, we killed the traitor. Shot him in the back of the head right outside of a courthouse. This is happening all, and where are you hearing this in the Western press? They're just ignoring this, guys, because they know it's happening, and they're disgusting human beings that are willing to lie to you about an entire agenda. Or they're too stupid to see it because they don't listen or don't look to anything other than they're handed. But this is happening in real time. Ukrainian diplomat, we've shown you this many times, they openly called him, they openly spoke up and said he was a traitor and they shot him for treason. Here's another one. Pro-Russian mayor of Ukrainian city reportedly killed and being and kidnapped from his home. This person right here. Then, if you don't believe that happened, here is a member of parliament that spoke up and said, hey, one traitor to Ukraine's become less. Isn't it amazing how obvious and provable this is? And yet you don't hear a peep about this on the Western corporate media. Isn't that interesting? This is the guy. This is his blue check account directly from Twitter. By the way, this is the guy who directly lied to everybody telling you chemical weapons have been used and not even the Western press picked it up because they were lying to you. That's this guy right there cheering on that their own people mean own people, meaning a mayor of a Ukrainian city being murdered because he holds the wrong ideas. That's called democracy, according to the Western governments. This is the reality. So I am terrified for what actually happened to Gonzalo Lira, and it makes me sick to think about. Now, those groups we just pointed at, Joe Biden just authorized another $800 million, and now they're at least being honest about the weapons that they are, that they always have been, by the way, because even the CIA and even these other foreign policy articles back in 2015, and we're telling you they were sending in weapons in 2016, in 2018, they've been telling you playing this game where we're like, we're going to stop them from going to the hands of the Aza Battalion, and then we just quietly let it happen, and then they come back in 2018 and go, no, now we're not going to do it again. And We've gone over all this. The point is that now they're still doing it, except they pretend that they were not going to let it go to them as they send in billions of dollars to the government that then hands it directly to them, because that's how stupid they think you are. Let's pretend like this doesn't mean anything for a, for a country that is struggling financially in every possible way. Oh, just, you know, take it on the chin for Ukraine's freedom, right? Let's spend more for gas prices as you can't feed your family. Let's spend more for food. Let's destroy your businesses before we even get here. And then send billions and billions and billions to an openly neo-Nazi government. As we pretend, stupidly enough, that we're fighting a white supremacy threat. This is how dumb they think we are. Ukraine receives fighter planes. Remember this weird discussion about fighter jets from Poland that was this huge political discussion? That's how stupid they think we are. So we're going to pretend we're not going to fly them in. We're going to bring them over here. And then suddenly they just send them right in. No big deal. Oh, so that wasn't a red line then. No, it was. Very clearly was. They just pretend like enough has happened. It doesn't matter anymore. Think about how obvious that is. It's either a red line or it's not. You don't just get. And by the way, it was discussed after Putin and and government, the government of Russia had already pushed into Ukraine. Right. This was post February 25th. This weird discussion about the, the Poland jets and all this. It was ridiculous. So then suddenly it just doesn't matter anymore because that was always happening. It wasn't even a real conversation. In my opinion, it was always happening long before this ever started. And it's not my opinion. It's even though I said that it's obviously verifiable because it has been happening. 
It's very, very, very clear. And they're going to bring in Pulse to bolster Air Forces, Pentagon says. It's all coming down right now. But Putin says that troops won't storm the Mariupol steel plant, but will block exits as Ukraine defends safe evacuation for everybody trapped. Now, what we're talking about is the Azov Battalion, right? The very people that they're hurrying to send weapons to, right? What's interesting here, the way this is being framed is so dishonest. It, it like everything else. Again, why I call them children, because the people in the Western corporate media are so childish, it's pathetic about the way that they will back mental gymnastics and just literally take them out of context. I just literally quote them. I, well, that's the right way to say that. Just lie about what they're actually saying. Not even, sometimes it's just misquoting them. Sometimes it's just blatant lies. But here's the interesting part. What has he been saying from the beginning? Now, of course, this always gets taken as a pro-Russia stance, but it's just basically being objective enough to consider whether what he said in the beginning was honest. Uh-oh, you can't even pretend it was truth because then you're pro-Russian, right? That's how stupid this has become. Considering whether what he said was actually what he was going to do, oh, God, you can't even think about that because he's such a bad guy that just has to lie. Or he's still a bad guy and he was telling you the truth at the beginning, you utter children. The bottom line is, he said from the very beginning what this was, was not about an invasion, was not about going all the way to Kiev, was ultimately about cons- controlling the borders, stopping the Nazi threat, and making sure Crimea and, Don- and the Donbass collective region were safe. Now, that seems to be what ultimately happened here. Now, everybody's been framing it as, well, he got pushed back from Kiev, and he's, he failed, and he decides to recenter over here. That's not even what he's saying, by the way. But let's pretend like they wink, wink, no on the inside, because they know Putin's playbook, right? gee, let's wonder why he wouldn't just change that playbook because it's clear that they've stated publicly they know what it's going to happen. Yeah, because it's not, that's how stupid this is. Like he's just going to keep doing what he's, they openly said they know he's going to do and he hears that on the news and goes, that's still what I'm going to (laughs) do? It's like I can't even make sense of how childish that is. The bottom line is, the argument of where what's happening here was that they were pushing in to control the Azov Battalion and stop them specifically in their hub, which was Mariupol, which is what I've told you from the very beginning. Now we find a situation where it seems they've pretty much just taken control of everything, destroyed all of their bases to stop in, this, in this area, but lots of other places as well. And they've consent, they've centered in this gigantic four-mile Azov steel industrial area, which apparently has all kinds of catacombs and all kinds of crazy stuff. So as it turns out, they've said, well, you know what? We've, paid, we've won. We've stopped them. We've, we've gotten everything we've needed. We're not going to dive through this and spend months and months. We're just going to block it off, let them starve themselves in there, and deal with it as it comes. Now, what that's being misrepresented as is hurting the people that they're holding hostage in there, which is exactly what's happening. I think it's very obvious, based on the way that I'm going to show you again in a moment, that they have actually been bringing, letting these civilians go. In fact, there's open documentation of them literally letting them go on buses while they then pretend that they're not letting everybody else go. I mean, I don't even know how that makes sense. I'll show you in a minute. The bottom line is we have heard plenty of people from Mariupol, from, from, from everywhere else you want to talk about, where they said, we weren't allowed to leave. We barely got out. They weren't letting us go. So I think Russia, in my opinion, is very aware of what's happening. They're holding civilians hostage. So if they push in, they're going to hurt those people and blame it on Russia. They might even do that just anyway, right? So I think what they're doing is not pushing in because they know how sensitive the situation is. Now, by the way, I'm hearing reports from people that I, I don't speak Russian or Ukrainian. So it's difficult in real time to get video translated. But the point is that I hear the discussion he was having was saying it's not just about the troops and their safety. It's about the safety of people involved which would imply the civilians too, but they'll never say it like that. They'll say that he's only worried about his people. Now, let me explain and get into it for you. But this is the story. 
that he's blocking all the exits and not letting people evacuate. That's obviously not true because they already have evacuated to a large degree. But this is how the Western press frames it. First of all, here is a report. And by the way, this was one of the other groups that came out very quickly and said, basically, Scott Ritter said Gonzalo dead. So just consider that in the reporting. It was, you know, I don't know. I, don't, I didn't think that was appropriate. Nonetheless, this was the first video that I saw in regard to Azov civilians being inside this plant. And that's being trapped there, despite the fact that this guy, who I'm going to reference again in a minute, this I, I now found out this is a leader of the Azov battalion movement, like one of the chief high-level leaders. The reason I wasn't able to figure it out before is because the tweet this was released on is from the Azov battalion account that has me blocked. Don't forget about that, guys. The Azov Battalion literally blocked me. What does that show you? I mean, these guys are well aware of what we're talking about. Now, this is him openly saying that we have... Oh, actually, I think... Oh, that's right. I do have the clip. I'm just going to bring it to you right now. I'll come back to it. Let's see. That he is saying we have civilians in here. Now, what he's saying is that they're taking shelter here. Is that what's happening? Could be. But based on everything we're hearing, it's pretty clear that that's not what's happening. But here is, oh, let me get the other screen on the incognito screen because they won't allow you to look at their mainstream stuff anymore without paying for it. Or excuse me, that's a Twitter account. Same point though. <laughs> for, for those mains, that's usually where this happens, like New York, New York Times, whatever else. So here it is. This is one of the Azov, Azov Battalion accounts, official. They have me blocked, which I love. This is him talking, and he's saying that the children are here, and blah blah blah. This is this is I'm the commander of the Azov Regiment, Denis Porkapenko. I call to the leaders of the world right now in Mariupol at Azovstal Steel Factory. Hundreds of civilians are sheltering. Among them, people of ages, 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 women, children, families of Mariupol defenders. Right, they're sheltering in the basements and the bunkers. Now I'm going to show you some of those people that were left in those basements that were rescued by Russian soldiers. But you know, it's all fake news, right? Okay. Now, let's be clear, though. Even, let, 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 I'm going to show you that in a minute. Even though that's true, that does not mean that there's not some level of entities in this side of it that might not be. Just, it's not all or nothing, guys. We have to stop being like that, even though they try to frame us like that. It's important that we're objective and understand that there's just because we can show that doesn't mean that there aren't Russians that are out there doing terrible things to civilians, because that happens in war from damn near every side I've ever seen in my life. So just they always think about that. But what we're trying to show you is, by and large, the reality is that the, what we're pointing at here, the Azov Battalion, are just aggressively not what the Western press tries to make them out to be. They're really bad people, worse than anything you can point at, in my opinion, right now, other than the other entities like this. You know, the other false cutouts from the CIA, like the ISIS groups or the Altai Charles Shams or, you know, whatever else they're utilizing to manipulate you, which also utilize people that actually believe those things. But these are constructs, guys, that they have built. We need to see that by now. As always, I recommend you watch Ben Swan's documentary about where the roots of ISIS actually come from. Spoiler alert, it's the U.S. government. But going back to the main part here. Bring up my other screen. I hate having to do this every time. I have to switch the shares. There we go. Okay. He is telling you there are civilians in the area. Right inside there. And here's another tweet, another account saying the same thing that taking advantage of the short lull, the civilians in Mariupol who became hostages of neo Nazi militants, of course, from the other side, were finally able to get out of the basements of houses that stand directly at the main. And, and you can see these are people that are fleeing out of these areas that were held hostage by people in the Ukrainian side. Hmm, why isn't this playing now? 
Let's refresh it. Hope it's not gone all of a sudden. Here we go. Okay, now what you're seeing here, by the way, is these are Russian soldiers. Now, you could argue that this, oh, well, you know, same point that I just made. Like, okay, well, maybe they are helping them. That doesn't mean that the Russians aren't hurting people. Sure, fair enough. But you have to see this and recognize that this is either entirely fabricated, which is also certainly possible, but you should damn well have evidence if you're going to make that claim. Or it could just be Russian soldiers helping people. Now, that has to challenge the general consensus that they just are only hurting civilians. And everything they do is about just hurting people because they only want to just hurt them and shoot them and drunk and mal, just all these nonsensical things that aren't rooted in any kind of fact. Certainly could be, and that's always there. My point is that the Western media is just stating all this because Ukraine says. And yes, there are some videos you could point at, but I'll, t- I'll explain to you, and I have before, why these things are completely unsound. Like you're, you have a picture of somebody, and then they give you the insight here. They're crying because this happened. Is that actually what happened? We should demand this kind of evidence today with how many times these very entities have lied to us about WMDs, about Venezuela, about Syria, about God knows every, everything else. But here we are watching them help these people. You have to realize that is happening to some degree. I believe it's predominant because of everything that we're seeing. Man, these people just really love to come into our chat every time. (laughs) Come look at these girls over here. It's just so funny. Like they're desperate to make us look like something we're not. I think that's really what it is. For those, on the, for that, since I said the comment in the chat over here, in one of these chats, we got these people that jump in and try to, you know, hot, you know, cameras for young girls. It's just, so funny how they're trying to do that. Or people come in our chat and start spouting off a bunch of racist comments to make it look like that's what we're doing. It's so clear. Anyway, going over to the reports about this, here's how the Western press frames this. Putin claims victory in Mariupol, but won't storm steel plant. Now, that's the best title out of all this I've seen, even though they get into it in the article, because that, that's what's happening. Not that they, you know, it, to argue that they changed their plans would be would argue that you somehow knew what their plans were, right? And that's just dumb. They don't know what they're planning to do. Let's be clear about that. The Western media does not know what Putin wants to do, does not know what he feels, does not know what his playbook is. That's just stupid. That's playing at the lowest common denominator. So it says, Russian President Vladimir Putin claimed victory in the battle for Mariupol on Thursday even as he ordered his troops not to risk more losses by storming the, the giant steel plant containing the last Ukrainian holdout in the city, which is the Azov Battalion predominantly. Now, that's a fair statement because he did, and he said that, and that does seem to be a, the, the right way to he order them so he didn't risk more losses because it's going to be this ongoing thing to stop a, a, small, a small group of people that are pretty much cut off. Instead, he directed his forces to seal off the plant, quote, so not even a fly comes through. But you see, what they're trying to build here, in my opinion, is to argue that they're doing that to the civilians, too, because they just don't care. But there's nothing to verify that or to even indicate that. In fact, there's plenty of evidence I'll show you to indicate the exact opposite of that. Putin's forces pounded the site and repeatedly issued ultimatums ordering their surrender to the military personnel. You could also argue that cutting, sealing it off like that is to ensure the safety of those people unless they hurt them while they're inside there which is what I think they're concerned about happening because you know what would happen, right? If Russia pushes in and they just explode something and flee, if they're even capable of doing that, which it doesn't seem like they can anymore. Well, then the Azov Italian will speak up and say, Russia killed these people. We know the Western press will say Russia killed these people. Ukraine says we already see how this goes, guys. There's no due diligence there. Now it says, but on Thursday, as he has done before, the Russian leader seemed to shift the narrative and declared victory without taking the plant. Well, 
my point there is, okay, so how do you know his agenda was to take the plant and that was the ultimate point? He just said he wanted them to surrender. You see, there's just a bunch of subjective assumptions being made. I agree that the plant was ultimately to take this plant. I think that's obvious. My point is simply to point out that the Western media loves to throw in their assumptions as fact, and yet they call us fake news. It goes on to say, quote, the completion of combat work to liberate Mariupol is a success. This is Putin speaking in an appearance with his defense ministry. He said, congratulations. Ukraine, of course, scoffed at the idea of a Russian victory. Like, think about how dumb that is. As they're surrounded <laughs> in their last holdout, they're like, you didn't win. <laughs> what kind of childish is that? Of course they did. Whether or not they take this last holdout, you guys have clearly been driven into this last position. So, I don't know what else you would call that, but let's go forward. This situation means the following. It says, quote, this is the Ukraine government speaking, or Azov specifically. This situation means the following, as they're encircled in their last standout. They cannot physically capture Avastol. They have understood this. They suffered huge losses there. That's, that's their statement. So you get beaten back into a corner. And when they just go, you know what? It's not worth it because you're going to hide in the catacombs and you have people held hostage. We'll just wait you out. They go, we did it. We won. You don't have, you're not able to finish this last corner. It's just silly, guys. And this is the way the Western press goes with, they'll, they'll parrot this everywhere. And that's what they're doing. You go into CNNs and Fox News and CBSs everywhere. What they're going to say is Russia decided to, Russia fails in their last attempt. And that's how they're going to do this. Because it's just stupid. You, if you want to report this fair, you would say that they, that Russia has, has decided not to push into Avastol for their own reasons. You don't know why, <laughs> unless he states why, then you could say he stated this was why, but we don't know because he might lie. You can't just keep pushing in what you believe their intentions are as the narrative, and that's what they're doing. He doesn't really want to denazify. He wants to take over the world. That's what they're saying. <laughs> what is this, pinky in the brain? I mean, it just seems silly that they believe that people are childish enough to take that at face value. But... He goes on to say, by painting the mission in Mariupol as success, because apparently that's a lie, according to the Western media, Putin may be seeking to take the focus off the plan because it's a gigantic failure, right? Which has become a global symbol of defiance. Really? <laughs> I, you see, my, this is just, this is silly. A global symbol of defiance? I mean, maybe you could make that argument because they are their last standout, but that's not the idea that it was some kind of a failure. Anyway, I just, it just seems silly. And I would say that's no matter who was involved. But the point here is the way they transition next. Putin's order appeared to mean Russian forces intend to maintain the siege and wait for the defenders to surrender when they run out of food or ammunition. Well, gee, that sure sounds like a strategic plan, doesn't it? That sure sounds like a logical thing to do in a moment of which you know they could last this out forever. It's a siege, guys. If you're going to siege a castle, you could either storm the, 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 storm the walls and take lots of casualties, or you could wait it out if you're capable of doing that. Historically speaking, it's always better to wait them out if you're able to. That's just basic strategy, guys. I mean, this is funny the way that they say it next, but of course, it's just because they've already lost, don't they? Western nations, meanwhile, rush to pour heavy weapons into Ukraine to help it counter the new offensive in the East. You mean the focal point that's always been the focal point? Yeah, and the idea, guys, is that if they keep pouring the weapons in, it's never going to stop. Because this will be what they always told you it was going to be, which is a which is an insurgency, right? It's funny. Someone in the chat says, "But in fact, Putin has used that phrase, even a fly." Yeah, did you miss where I literally just said that? Maybe you should pay attention better. I literally just read that he literally just said that, and then explained why he said that. In my opinion, 
but maybe you should get out of the chat and pay attention a little better and you wouldn't look like a fool. Now let's keep going. It says U.S. President Joe Biden announced an additional 800 billion. Yeah, going to them directly out of your pocket, including heavy artillery. But he also warned that the 13.6 billion approved last month. That's on top of everything else, by the way. For military and humanitarian aid, which is not at all what that's going to, at all. Almost exhausted now and will be needed more. Exhausted. So $14 billion has already been exhausted. Does anybody care about that right now when you're struggling in your country? That you, The government destroyed what you have in your country. And that's not just the United States, by the way. And yet we're sending billions and billions and billions of dollars to open neo-Nazis? Man. Ukraine officials said about a thousand civilians were tracked along with 500 wounded soldiers. So how are they trapped if there's already been multiple examples of people being allowed to leave? That's not that's being reported by even the Western media, guys. So why why didn't you let them leave when there was two different opportunities to do so? And I'll even show you one. Quote, I consider the proposed storming of the industrial area pointless. I order to abort it. That's what Putin said. Saying concerning, he said he was concerned about, quote, preserving the life and health of our soldiers and officers. This is my point. I argue that if, you, if the, the speech was discussing people being preserved, not just the people there, but the idea that it's not just the soldiers. Nonetheless, the idea is the actual evidence we continue to see has shown us that they have taken, gone out of their way to help the people that they find along the way. Now, yes, it could all be faked. As always, if you just want to assume that, you're making up your own reality. If you think it's fake, prove it's faked. German foreign minister, and, I, and by the way, I'm not assuming it's real. Right? I assume that these things could be manipulated from either side. My point is just the body of evidence from either side is pretty clearly showing you one thing. It's as simple as that. German Foreign Minister Baerblock said her count her country and others are pressuring Russia to allow civilians out of Mariupol and to stop striking potential evacuation routes. Now, is that what's happening? The only reason the German foreign minister says that is because that's what the government of Ukraine is saying is happening. Four buses with civilians managed to escape on the city on Wednesday after several unsuccessful attempts, according to Ukraine deputy minister. That's where that's coming from. Now, where are those buses going and who is helping facilitate that? The Russian government. It's interesting they don't want you to know that, right? So we're watching these people leave and there's been a, a lot. I mean, there's talked about 5 million people. Where are they all going? There's a few discussions of where I believe most of these people are fleeing to Russia. And by the way, that has been alleged by the Russian government. And there's been a lot of evidence to that. But again, let's wait and see how it pans out. But if we only have a few hundred thousand of discussions here, where do the rest of them go? But these four buses, I'll show you one of them next, are where Russians are helping these people leave. So why would they help some of them leave? Right? We'll help this old lady on the bus, but then we'll shoot the next one. Right? That makes sense. Sure, you could argue it's because they're faking a video, but there's lots of them, and there's lots of evidence of it. Four buses, in fact, right? After several unsuccessful, and then, oh, by the way, all of that comes from the Ukrainian government. Ukraine has repeatedly accused Russia of launching the attacks that the foreign minister just took at face value to block civilian evacuations, even though the very first conversation, as I keep pointing to, was the Russian government saying, we have them open. And what did the Ukraine say? government say? What did Zelensky himself say? We won't allow that. Because we won't let them go to Russia. Guys, it was on the record. That was what Zelensky said. 
So it's not at all about, I mean, what they're trying to frame this as is them just stopping everybody fleeing. They're available. It's the Ukrainian government saying it's just unsafe for them to go to Russia. And then packaging that as they're the ones stopping it because they're dangerous. But that's not what you're saying. You're saying they're just not letting them flee. This is verifiably not the case, guys. This is on Thursday, at least two Russian attacks hit the city, the way stations, people fleeing Mariupol. Though no one was wounded, apparently, the regional government says. Great. So they they bomb these areas as they're fleeing and nobody gets hurt. And the government just says that's what happened. Even though literally everybody we look at on video is saying that they wouldn't let us leave. At some point, guys, you just have to ask the question, just whether or not some of this is being made up. Biden announces hundreds of millions in new aid, says the Washington Post. Now it says President Biden on Thursday announced a ban on Russian-affiliated ships from U.S. ports. Right, because those are Russian government people? No, no, they're just just ships that are just even associated, affiliated with Russian anything. No, can't do that now. Who does that hurt? It hurts the people who own those ships. It hurts the companies who use those ships. It hurts the average Russian people. You pretend like you're trying to help. How does that make sense, guys? It only makes sense when you realize that they're blatantly doing the opposite of what they're telling you is happening, hurting civilians. A package that includes, this is the 800 million, heavy artillery, tactical drones. Yeah, this seems to be going away, right? Biden also announced the United States will provide an additional 500 million in direct economic assistance. You can't feed your family. We're sending a billion dollars in weapons, then another half billion, you know, just to help their government. Which, by the way, will probably go to a lot of nice cars and jewelry and big houses. Because these people are not what you think they are. Russian President Vladimir Putin earlier called his country's military offensive in the key port city a success. He said he ordered forces not to take the plant, which we just talked about. And where it, and here's the other point. They added this. It says uh, Putin, Vlad, uh, Putin called his, uh, earlier called his country's military offensive in the key port city of Mariupol a success and said he ordered his forces not to storm the plant where pro-Ukrainian troops are stationed and where civilians have sought shelter. That's not what he said. You see, I mean, this is how they do this. They frame this. That's not what he said. They're inserting that. You can't start by saying he did this, he said this, and then casually include something he didn't say. That's just blatantly dishonest. That's bad journalism. But that's not just bad journalism. That's intentionally manipulative journalism. It says, still, he told troops to block the plant so that even a fly could not get through. And again, to that person's comment in the chat, here it is. He very clearly said that. Now, is that saying that the civilians, we would make sure got stuck? No, I would argue that's not even remotely what that's saying. That's making sure that they can't escape with those hostages. So when they find them passing through, they can save these people. Now, I could be wrong. But again, this is based on what the evidence shows, which is over and over and over and over, we're finding evidence of videos where people are being rescued by these people. Does that mean that they're not hurting them elsewhere? No. But all the evidence we can see, which could be faked, is showing you pretty much one thing. On top of that, every time they keep helping people leave, it's the same situation. Or every time we're seeing them rescue them from basements, same situation. Now, it says Zelensky said the situation is difficult and that Russia captured most of Mariupol long ago. (laughs) Right. But they failed, right? They failed. Just keep yelling that. Ukraine has more tanks on the ground than Russia, per the Pentagon. Yeah, where'd they all come from? Let's pretend like they'd only ship them in this last shipment, right? No. It's little dumb things like this that keep showing you they've been supplying these things from a lot of different angles for a decade, guys. April 21st, Putin claims victory. U.S. to send more guns. Last point on that, Russian uh, Putin claimed victory. 
There's one other point I thought that some of these were redundant. Ukraine derided Putin's attempt to avoid a final clash with its forces in the city as an acknowledgement that he lacked the troops to defend them. What does it even mean to defend them? Ukraine derided his attempt to avoid a final clash with the city that he's talking about, the Azovzal plant here, as an acknowledgement that he lacked the troops to, oh, excuse me, defeat them. Anyway, this is obviously not true. I mean, it's Western Western pundits are telling you that. This has never been the truth. They're not going to run out of bullets. This isn't how it's happening. They're just continually doing what they told you they're doing. We're lying because of an information war. And the media continues to parrot those lies because they're going along with that and pretending like it's fact. And when you tell them it's a lie, they call you a fake news and they censor you, even though they know it's a lie because it's an information war. They're telling you this stuff in real time. So we're just going to yell that he's losing because hopefully that translates into some kind of a loss. We'll see. Zelensky ruled out going to Moscow for direct talks telling Russian media outlet that this is simply out of the question, except when he talks to other media outlets, he pretends that Putin refuses to talk to him because this is, this is how childish this illusion is. Excuse me, this illusion is, right? I mean, right now, you'll watch him say the opposite when it comes to other discussions. I just want to have peace talks, and it's only them continuing to perpetuate that. And every time they open the door for this, whether in Moscow or in a third place that's suitable for everybody, he doesn't do it. Argues that they won't let me talk to him or he won't. He said it is unnecessary to storm the industrial zone and order the actions to be canceled. Quote, there is no need to climb into the catacombs and crawl underground through these industrial facilities. Block off the industrial area so that not even a fly can get through. There it is again. He says journalists who reached Mariupol during the siege found streets littered with corpses. Nearly all buildings destroyed. Residents huddled freezing in cellars, venturing out to cook scraps on makeshift stoves. Ukraine estimates that tens of thousands of civilians have died in Mariupol, some buried in mass graves. United Nations and Red Cross say civilian toll is unknowable, at least in thousands. Okay, let's reflect on those two paragraphs. Journalists who reached Mariupol, who found people on the street. Oh, you know they're Russia, don't you? Why? Because Ukraine said. Well, of course. So you show up afterward and then deign to tell us what you know happened. This is the current status of Western journalism. If you show it up after they're dead, you're just reporting what you're told to say. You utter farce. Nearly all buildings destroyed before you got there. Residents huddled in freezing cellars. Did you ask them who put them there or why they were there? You're not even reporting on it. Venture out to cook scraps. Now, do they might not even know. These are people that have been put in these areas and not allowed to leave these areas while they're being, there's plenty of reports of them being told the Russians have already been defeated. You got to stay in the cellar, like lying to them. In any case, the bottom line is you are just being, you're stating this is what's happening as if we're supposed to assume that's because Russia. Of course, they estimate these people have died in mass graves. Don't forget who told us that they buried them in mass graves. One of the mayors, of one of the officials of Mariupol. They said that. They said, we buried them in these mass graves. Then they went on to report that the mass graves were an indication of Russia's. I mean, it's just so silly, guys. This is a horrific situation that is real, but you're being lied to about what's happening. What do you mean the death toll is unknowable? I've been hearing you guys yell at us what's been happening since the beginning. So you're just admitting to us that you literally don't know? Yes, you're reporting what Ukraine says is happening. Ukrainian deputy prime minister said 1,000 civilians were and 500 wounded soldiers need to be brought out from the plant, blaming Russian forces for the failure to establish a safe corridor. There it is. Are they saying there is no corridor? No, they're pretending that Russia's dangerous and therefore they can't do it. So what are you waiting for? What's the, what's the situation that will pop up? Who's the, I mean, if you can't do it and they're, you're not safe enough, 
That's exactly the point. There is no possibility. They're pretending they're waiting on Russia to do something, even though they're saying, here's the corridor. And then they go, well, you're dangerous. As Zelensky said, it's a game they're playing. And this is being played with civilians' lives. Moscow says Russia's taken 140,000 civilians from the port city alone. And there's plenty of evidence of that. There's videos and documentation. It says Kiev says some were deported by force in what would be a war crime. Okay, wait a minute here. Either they're not being allowed to leave at all, or they're hurting people when they try to flee, or you're arguing that they're taking them out by force. So they are being evacuated. But apparently it's a war crime, even though you're literally asking for them to be evacuated. Like, anybody want to make sense of that for me? What is the difference in this sense is what they're framing it as. Let's just say they did push in by force and rescue these people. Or maybe they did take them by force. They didn't want to be taken. Aren't you alternatively asking them to be taken from this area? Like, I don't even understand how that makes sense. Unless you realize that what they really want is for them to do something, for them to be framed for an action, or rather to be rescued with them and be taken out. I don't even understand that. The bottom line is they just admitted to you that they are helping people leave, whether by force because it's a military situation and they're not wanting to go, or they're forcefully pushing in to rescue these people, or they're just allowing them to leave and they're framing it as force. In any case, the evidence shows you very clearly what's happening. You can't say they're taking people and then say they're not taking people. That's ridiculous. U.S. President Biden on Thursday pledged to send dozens of howitzers, 144,000 rounds of ammunition and tactical drones as we just talked about, all that's going to be used again with neo-Nazis to hurt people because of your tax dollars being abused. Quote, we're in a critical window now of time where they're going to set the stage for the next phase of this war. Right, but I thought you guys were just about to win and they were failing, right? No, this is them sending in weapons desperately to keep them pushing back, which will make this never end, which then begins to develop into exactly what they wanted it to be, a never-ending insurgency, just like they quagmired them in, in Syria right? They want Russia to be engaged in never-ending conflicts that make them dissipate their resources. It's, I mean, that's stated policy by the U.S. government, by the way. The United States and allies are moving as fast as possible to provide Ukraine with the equipment and weapons it needs. Remember when that was a fake news story that we're not giving them weapons? They, by the way, they've already admitted it all the way since 2015. The president has announced plans to ban Russia-affiliated ships. Yeah, because that hurt the government, right? After failing to capture the Kiev, capital of Kiev last month, which again, is that what happened? And being forced to withdraw from the northern Ukraine, Russian forces regrouped this week to launch a new offensive in Donbass region. Now, again, I ask you, is that what happened? Or is it more, is it possible that they did exactly what they said they were going to do, which is seemingly what happened, unless you go wink, wink, he lied and then meant to do this, then wink, wink, lied again and pretended he didn't mean it. Well, can you prove that? <laughs> I'd love to know how you can prove what he means, right? But at the end of the day, they did ultimately what he said they were going to do. Did, never, I, I never saw an argument they were going to push all the way in and occupy the whole country. In fact, the exact opposite was argued. So they didn't fail at anything. They just didn't do what they never said they were going to do. And they went, we, we won! <laughs> right? That's a possibility at the very least, but we're not allowed to say that because that's pro-Russia. Finally, on the report, the full video from Vanessa Bealey's interview with, with UK Column, they make a couple of points in here about the full picture of the numbers of information, the numbers of weapons that are going in, which is a little bit different than what we're hearing. Here's the actual report from Bloomberg, but this is General Milley saying this, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, told Congress that the West has delivered 60,000, 60,000 
anti-tank weapons, 25,000 anti-aircraft weapons. The Pentagon is now laying plans to rush additional artillery. That's what we just reported on. That's the, on top of all of that, $800 million more million out of your pocket. Biden never planned for a war like this, the report says. The assumption was that Russia would quickly conquer much of the country. Doesn't this sound different than what we're, we were being told right up until now? Why? So the U.S. would be supporting a simmering, low-intensity Ukraine insurgency. How could they possibly know that? This is what the F, this is what the CIA. Or let me see if I can bring that article up real quick. Well, I can just do this one. This report showing you what he's telling you right here. Oh, actually, the, where's the link of the article? Let me do that instead. This one, I think. Right. See, this is the title and everything. This is from February 25th, the day, the, the next day after supposedly started. The coming Ukrainian insurgency. Which, by the way, understand, that means a smaller force pushing back against an occupying force, not the Ukrainian government pushing back a general invasion, right? That's not, a, that's not an insurgency. An insurgency would be where, after, where Russia took over the entire country and then a small force fights back from within a controlled country by Russia, right? So the CIA was literally, that's what this guy is, a CIA operations a officer. That's what he is. And he's telling you verbatim, and this this was the tweet that I put out where it shows you that a, the report they're admitting it, 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 uh, admitted a covert CIA operation training program for the Aza Battalion. My point is, how would they know it would be an insurgency? I mean, haven't they been arguing they've been winning the whole time? I mean, that's the exact opposite. But now, the, now even in this article, this is the main point. They're now even admitting to you. Was this the one? They're now even admitting to you Shoot, did I just just lose my place? Oh, right there. It's all zoomed in. So they're admitting to you that they actually expected that, right? And that's why we're not, because we didn't expect this much money to flow out. Yeah, you did. That's the plan. That's literally what he is telling you right there from the CIA. That's what we always plan for. So this is the plan. The argument here in the, in the article is meant to undermine that and pretend like we didn't expect this. Yeah, they did. What they wanted was the situation. So one, to keep Russia engaged in the situation for an endless period of time, so they can just keep dumping billions and billions of your dollars into their pockets of the neo-Nazis and let them fight back, just like they did with the so-called moderate rebels in Syria. This is the same situation. But the difference is building the so-called white supremacy threat and then blaming Russia for it while they're engaged in this quagmire, right? I promise you that was, in my opinion, the plan that's going to change probably because of us exposing it and the independent media exposing this. But that's what it says right there a low-intensity Ukrainian insurgency. Instead, Ukraine's successful resistance, right, clearly, has led to an ongoing high-intensity conventional fight. That's not even remotely what's really happening, to be honest, and even Western pundits are telling you that, with prodigious consumption of munitions and intense attrition of key military assets. That's your money, guys, just flying out the door. Pentagon officials say that Kiev is blowing through a week's worth of deliveries of anti-tank munitions every day. Every day. And you know what they're going to do? They're going to keep sending them. And you're going to pay for it. Did you vote for that? Do you believe in that? Doesn't matter. That's the illusion of democracy. It is also running short of usable aircraft as Russian airstrikes and combat losses take their toll. But they're winning, though. <laughs> they're winning. Ammunition has become scarce in Mariupol and other areas. But they're winning, though. Right? They're defeated, though. So stupid the way they frame this. Oh, and then here's one of the last parts on this one segment. Patrick Lancaster is reporting from today. This was about seven hours ago, six hours ago. 
that right now, Azov Stahl is the last stronghold of Ukrainian forces. And guess what? He's next to the tanks of DPR going to battle them. Doesn't that ex- literally challenge what we were just told by everyone in the Western press? Yes, which shouldn't surprise you at all. But here he is on the ground. Here they are giving you the thumbs up as they drive in to take out the what we would, be- I believe quite strongly, are the Z- open extremists that are being funded by the CIA. That's in no way to suggest that they are. Well, in fact, I would argue, be clear. The DPR forces, which he's arguing he's with, are the Donbass forces, which I want. I mean, in a general sense, when it comes to war, as always, I don't agree with war, but I do believe that specifically the Donbass region have every right to stand up and fight back against what's happened to them the last eight years. Nobody should say different. I mean, it's just disgusting. And it's all on the record. And that's why all the Western press was saying these groups were dangerous, terrorist level people. And now they just pretend not. And we'll get that's the next segment. But here they are. This first part just looks like them just, you know, spinning the tank out for the video. But the point is, it shows them all kind of driving into the area, right? So he's telling you that DPR tanks are going into battle in Avastol, which seems to undermine exactly what we've heard. Maybe Putin just meant his own troops, right? Maybe they're planning to do it on their own regard. Who knows? Bottom line, we'll wait and see what happens. So I promise you, Patrick, at the very least, will give you the insight. Now, these are just, I'll include these again. This is just the, as I said, verifiable facts. U.S. Congress made sure the battalion would get arms in 2016, despite their argument that they didn't. Now, we'll get into the 2018 part where they added that back in, and I'll show it to you so we all know the full story. But my point in all of you showing you this was that they pretended they weren't going to arm them back in 2015 and 16, and they did anyway, under a lie that they came, they continue to perpetuate. But now, even though they've added it back, they're still dumping billions of dollars of weapons that go right into their hands. Because that's what's happening. It's obvious. And on top of that, if right now, even the Western media is constantly pointing at them as the defenders of Mariupol, then that means they know they're getting arms. That means they want them to, even though right now it's in U.S. congressional uh, memos or or documentation that they're not allowed to. So that means right this moment, the U.S. government is breaking its own laws to send weapons to them as, I guess, they pretend they're not sending them directly to them like some stupid loophole, even as they cheer them on in every other angle. The CIA has trained them since 2015. The FBI verifies that they are neo-Nazi and immersed with the government of Ukraine right up until today, and that Charlottesville are their U.S. faction. The, in fact, the uh, rise above movement is their international arm. Now, let's get into that. Let's get into the facts. What are the Azov Battalion really? Here is a report. The Jerusalem Post. This is from, oh, look, it just refreshed right there. Gotcha. April 21st. The Israeli weapon seen used by neo-Nazi Ukrainian unit in Russia, against Russia. Look at that. By the way, this isn't even the first time. Obviously, we've shown you this many times. This is from 2018. Rights groups demand Israel stop arming neo-Nazi groups. Which one was that? Oh, you mean the one we're not supposed to call like that today? Yep, that's the one. Azov Battalion. Oh, where they changed. They changed after 2018, right? <laughs> this is so pathetic how they're just the cnn is the worst trying to like have these round table discussions about how they've evolved and the isis isn't isis anymore because we're on they're working with us right that's that's the same thing that's happening they even tried to have those conversations for a minute where they're like well they're trying to reevaluate their situation now now they're high at cheryl sham they're not the same thing yeah they are you disgusting people but here is the jerusalem post saying 
Israeli weapons right now are being used by these neo-Nazis. Why, why that shouldn't surprise you is everything we're showing you. In a video published by the Aza Battalion, they are, uh, they're firing a portable anti-tank weapon, which we just discussed, by the way, against a, a Russia tank. And even, even them are reporting it right here, used by the neo-Nazi Aza Battalion. Isn't it amazing how they're just, this is the Jerusalem Post. And we're, apparently we're supposed to go, they're not neo-Nazi because Zelensky's Jewish. Well, here was the Jerusalem Post literally saying the same thing. Isn't this just comically stupid, the way that this is all being broken down? It's, 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 it's insulting to your intelligence. Now it goes on to say Western countries have undertaken massive arm transfers to Ukraine. And of course, critics like the, the Intercept have expressed concern that the weapons could end up in the arms of the... But that's such a silly sidestep. That's ridiculous. What do you mean could? Have some gumption and come out and say, which by the way, maybe that's Jerusalem Post misrepresentation of it. They're 100% getting directly handed to these people. There's not even a moment of doubt. Guys, this is obvious. Now, here, by the way, is the Washington Post article we just read, right? Look at the very first point. Who is this information coming from? Look at that. The Azov commander says no one has surrendered. They are literally citing at the very first point the Azov battalion as their source. By the way, it's the same thing in the article where you find out, oh, the governor said of Mariupol. Yeah, they're blindly taking at face value what they're being told by open neo-Nazi groups. Now, there are plenty out there, despite Jerusalem Post and plenty others, literally, and everything else we've shown you in the past, showing you what these groups are. Now, here is the most important part. This is the CISAC, the Center for International Security for Cooperation. Now, by the way, that is the group that I've talked about before in regard to Whitney Webb's article, which is the one place they point at over and over and over to try to argue that Russian not white supremacists have been working in, in Donbass. This article right here. And that's the only thing they point to. And in fact, it's information from, from almost a decade ago saying that they sent groups of five to six people and then never did again. But that means we know they went international. That's, it's, it's a sidestep to what I think is... Uh, look, my website's going down again. Uh, I'll look at it later. There's something going on, guys. My website's under attack every single moment right now. It's going up and down, left and right. I don't know what's happening. Don't even worry about it anymore because this is just the world we're being built into, right? Here. Oh, what was it again? C-I-S-A-C. Right here. Where she reports this, where the following, the, the claims of the first attack of the rise, uh, the, the Russian imperial movement, very weirdly close to the rise above movement, Rim and Ram, because don't forget, they're supposed to tie back to Russia, right? But it says the following this first attack, Stanford CISAC claims that from 2015-2020, they've been building a transnational network. But again, this literally ties back to this one small claim of people back in 2014 sending in groups of five to six fighters and never again. And that's all they've got. Except meanwhile, over here, and I'll make sure you read this article, here is what they're saying right to, this is as of March 2022, about the Azov Battalion. So why is one being focused on when there's that little to go on, even from the same group, and yet the Aza Battalion is there equivocating about mental gymnastics, about why they might not be the same. No, they, they disbanded and they became politics and they, they, they normalized themselves. They're pointing to this group when they say that, and they don't even know what it says. Here's what it actually says. Get ready for this, because it is exactly what we're telling you. The Aza Battalion is an extreme right nationalist, of course, paramilitary organization based in Ukraine. It gets much bigger than that. And it's far, nationalist is like calling them moderate rebels, guys. Nationalist is not even inherently a bad word. They are fascist extremists to a 
neo-Nazi or Nazi level. And they're not, and some of these people are literally Nazis stemming back to actual Nazi war criminals like Makola Labed, who we've talked about before, who was the one of the first people the CIA chose to run prologue directly from the Ukrainian Nationalist Organization. And he was a literal Nazi war criminal who was actually about to be put to death in Poland for killing the interior minister. And then he got away and the U.S. saved him and let him live out his life operating a CIA cutout in the United States and New York, which built the fascism that they have today. Not a joke. I've done an entire show on this, guys. Since I say it, I might as well grab it. That's important to understand. The, the, the history, the, the the record of that being, let me see, let's do it this way, daily wrap-up articles from 1948 forward. Let's see, where was that? Sorry for the delay. By the way, while we're skimming for this, please take a moment to share the link to the website and everything else, guys, because the point is to get this information out there, and it's clear the ups and downs that our website is having some attacks happen or something going on. But here is the article right here, not just Azov. Documents prove the CIA has been cultivating fascism in Ukraine since at least 1948. That's CIA documentation. Now, here is the article. This is updated last March 2022. Here's what it says. Last updated right there, March. Okay, executive summary. The Azov Battalion is an extreme right nationalist paramilitary organization based in Ukraine. Just, again, don't miss it. This is not from 2014, guys. They're saying this is today. I mean, even just that first sentence alone directly contradicts what you're hearing from CNN. The Azov Battalion is an extreme right nationalist paramilitary organization based in Ukraine. It's much more than just that. And he says it right here. Founded in 2014, the group promotes Ukrainian nationalism and neo-Nazism through its national militia paramilitary organization and national core political wing. Not that they changed into that and no longer are dangerous and bad. They grew to that. And it makes it clear in this documentation. It is notable for its recruitment of far-right foreign fighters from the U.S. and Europe, as well as its extensive transnational ties with other far-right organizations. Now, that's exactly what they said before February 25th. Then, weirdly, when this all kicked off, and one of the first things we exposed as the independent media, but we did specifically, the CIA connections to the building of this threat, well, that all kind of blew up in their face, didn't it? Because, well, now... You can't point out that this notable, large, grasping, transnational connections when you want them to be a small group that doesn't exist anymore, right? Well, why would you want them to be the other if that was going to be the argument? Well, because don't miss that this wasn't supposed to be the way this went, in my opinion. The battalion's origins lie in the extreme right patriot of Ukraine militia organ- militant organization. Now, when they say extreme right and these things like this is because this organization frames it in the context of how we see it today. What does extreme right even mean? Well, they want you to draw it to things in the United States, like the conservatives, and that's not what this is. Extreme right shouldn't even be discussed. This is fascism. This is extremist fascism. This is not neo-Nazi fascism, extremism kind of stuff. That's what this is. Far right is just a, a a, a statement that they want you to connect with those things today. So you connect parties like this today, or political parties of the opposite opposition of the far left, or whatever else. That's, in my opinion, it's a, a game. Nonetheless. It goes on to say that in 2005, Andriy Beletsky created the Kharkiv-based Patriot of Ukraine, PU, 
to champion specifically white nationalist, anti-immigrant, extreme right ideas in Ukraine. This is according to Stanford CISSE. In November 2008, three days, three years later, Beletsky created the Umbrella Socialist Nationalist Assembly Movement, SNA, Social Nationalist, which is interesting because don't those things seem to conflate with like the terms that we use today? The movement was a, a derivative of the earlier political party, Social Nationalist Party of Ukraine, which later became known as Svoboda. Now, when I say the conflation, by the way, that they conflict, I mean, that's, of course, the way that they're used. Now, if you really understand the history behind these things and the idea of these of how they've not that any socialist government or any communist government can be any different, in my opinion, a, a democracy or whatever else you want to call it, any and all governments centralize power and become the same thing, in my opinion. But nonetheless, historically speaking, you can't miss that a lot of these groups have been socialist or communist that have led to the very extreme centralized power at the top. So the point is, you can see how these things lead to what we're talking about that's happening in Ukraine and might even be the very point, right? Just these conversations have to be had. But they led to Svoboda, which is the group that, that Storm Clouds Gathering points out, which is one of the main groups that they pretend isn't there right now. It's a gigantic political party that is completely openly neo-Nazi. This, the SNA, which is the group they just were ta- talking about, the Social Nationalist Assembly, contained members from a collection of nationalist and extreme right groups in Ukraine, which promoted specifically a neo-Nazi ideology. Now, during the battle for Mariupol, this is 2014, the group came to attention for its neo-Nazi iconogra- iconography on the battlefield, including the battalion patch, which featured the wolf angel symbol, wolf's angel symbol, which is one of the things CNN's tried so hard to pretend is an N and an I, which is what it says here. Originally, Beletsky and their group, the foundations of the Aza Battalion, claimed the symbol was actually an amalgamation of the letters I and N for the idea of the nation, because that's <laughs> it's just so childish, representing the organization's nationalist beliefs. So either way, they're saying it still represents what that the extremist beliefs we have, and that's what they're, they're not that they said nationalist. That's what the outside world's framing it as. But it says, however, the symbol is widely associated with the modern far right, which is more so specifically associated with the neo-Nazi groups and classic Nazi and ideology. But of course, they're caught in this lie as it goes forward. The wolf's angel is far from the Azov's only allusion to Nazi ideology. Beletsky himself once stated in 2010, and they don't want you to know this stuff, but they try to equivocate about the symbols, that it was Ukraine's national mission. This is the founder of the Azov Battalion to, quote, lead the white races of the world in a final crusade against Semite-led, specifically a word that means subhumans. Back to that point we just talked about. Don't you forget, that's what they're calling people like Gonzo, people like Patrick Lancaster. We need to take out these people. That's what they're saying, guys. Interviews with members of the battalion openly espouse neo-Nazi and white supremacist views. This is right up to today, guys. Don't miss, this is updated last month. Many fighters hold an aspirational belief of marching on Kiev once the war is over. That's right now. And the U- and that Ukraine, quote, needs a strong dictator to come to power who could shed plenty of blood, but unite the nation in the process. That is their standing mentality, guys, right now. And the idea being that they're already, dis- the idea being that once they get past this defending that they're going to turn their direction towards the entire country, which has been the statement they've made since 2014. In fact, that's one of the reasons why you saw them kind of stand off with Zelensky himself, where they said, get out of here. We don't, we don't even care what you say. This is right now. 
Think about how embarrassing this would be if this was discussed by some parallel corporate press that had the same rage as CNN. It would destroy them. But that's not happening because all of them are in lockstep. That's why you guys come to people like me. On September 17, 2014, Ukraine designated the Azov Battalion regiment status. On October 2014, Belesky left the group to participate in politics. Now, what they want to argue there is that's when this went away, right? He broke away and they all dissipated. No, not what happened. He used his unit's victory in Mariupol to launch a successful political campaign. Belesky was elected to Ukrainian parliament as an independent in November 2014 and remained a member until 2019. So even if you want to pretend it went away, this is an open neo-Nazi guy who founded the very neo-Nazi foundation of the group, who then literally became a politician that was there all the way until 2019. That's very relevant. On November 12, 2014, Ukraine designated the Azov Battalion, quote, special purpose regiment. So don't miss, this is after that. So they pretend he left. And so it all went away. And then when it went away, they decided to call it a special purpose regiment. No, they grew their prominence after that. A special purpose regiment status and formally then integrated into the National Guard. Again, they try to argue that step is when they all went away and it changed. It didn't. They, in fact, immersed themselves, as Scott Ritter pointed out, in all these different positions. In December 2014, the Patriot of Ukraine, again, that was the group that was very extremist, the found the Belesky founding group, formally disbanded and remained members integrated into the Azov Battalion. So, yo, know, they disbanded. No, they broke up and then brought themselves into the Azov Battalion. So the Azov Battalion integrated into, or rather the other way, they integrated into the Azov Battalion with some of the most openly, aggressively extremist people from the very foundation of their extremist roots. But let's pretend like it went away, because CNN said. Early on, the Azov Battalion was able to fund itself due to patronage, 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 yeah, patronage, <laughs> I don't know why I have trouble with that, patronage, support from Interior Minister of Ukraine, Arsen Arkov. Now, Avakov, we've talked about him. This is the guy that was very, this is one of the most openly outspoken extremist individuals. He, the Azov Battalion was incorporated into the Ukrainian National Guard while he was the interior minister, right? Now, they pretend that he went away in 2019, and that was, again, one of the points they say, oh, well, he went away, and he was the real bad one. Well, he didn't, though. He's still very involved in everything. The point is that I think they kicked him to the side because he was kind of burnt. It was very clear this guy was a really open extremist entity. The point is that his support and his funding was what allowed them to continue to grow. As the Azov Battalion continued to grow, it pursued international relationships and recruitment to foreign fighters, right up until right now. And then, then like, February 23rd, 2022, they were all screaming about how this is so dangerous and they're going to grow and they're going to be a white supremacist threat and they're going to influence our country and, oh, the, gov the, the conservatives are probably the ones that are going to... And then the moment that this turned and all of a sudden Putin pushes in, all of a sudden it went quiet. Isn't it weird? And suddenly they went from this international reach that was really dangerous to being a group that disbanded back in 2014. How in the world can any honest person see that and not see what's going on? The Sufan Center reported that between 2014 and 2019, approximately 50,000 people, quite a bit more than the 1,100 people they claim, right, from 17 countries, including the United States, traveled to fight in Ukraine with these extremist groups. 
Now they say it's hard to determine how many went with specific groups, right? But there's the Oz Battalion, there's the far right, the, the Georgian Legion, there's the right sector. These are all open neo-Nazi groups. It's not just the Oz Battalion, but that's the primary one. My point is 50,000 people went to this, went from their countries to Ukraine because of the, what they're calling far right nationalist ideology. So you can't pretend this is some thousand group, 50,000 people. And that was back in 2019. Foreign fighters also reported traveling to Ukraine to join the group due to their attraction to their specifically white ethno-nationalist views. And remember, this whole time this was happening, right up until 2021, 22, they were saying this was a threat to us and the building white supremacy concept. Now, why would they be doing that if you could prove the CIA did this? That's why I think this paused. The Azov Battalion specifically cites its desire for American recruits, look at that, to join Azov and help counter perceived pro-Kremlin narratives. Why would they be so focused on the United States? Well, of course, because they would argue, well, because there's such an obvious white supremacy threat. So how could they do that if they went away in 2014-15, right? I'm going to keep poking at that ridiculous point because it's obvious to show you they're dishonest and they're lying to you. In interviews with far-right researchers, whatever that means, the Autumn Waffen Division, and that's, again, one of these groups that's in the United States, right? These groups that they claim are, you know, far-right and it's the problem in this country. They have sent members to Ukraine to obtain battlefield experience, meaning they were trained by the Aza Battalion. There's your CIA connection to this very, very same group. And as I pointed out in previous shows, the Autumn Waffen Division has ties from its origin back to the CIA and these same entities in Ukraine. Members of the American Rise Above movement have also openly publicized meetings with members of the Aza Battalion and National Corps. Robert Rundo, leader of the Rise Above movement, traveled to Kiev and fought in mixed martial arts matches with members of the Azov Battalion in a facility owned by Azov called the Reconquista Club. Greg Johnson, an American white nationalist author, also traveled to Kiev and gave lectures to meet with the Azov Battalion. The point is, guys, this is obviously a far-reaching thing that stretches to right now. And that is the group that they tried to create. That was the, remember the Charlottesville and the cars and the marches with the, the torches and the whole thing and the building white supremacy threat. That was all building. That became the big discussion around January 6th and everything else. And yet the Rise Above movement is directly tied to Aza Battalion, which is directly tied back to the CIA. Azov is largely Russian speaking. Now, why would that make sense unless this, I mean, could just be an organic thing that happened because a lot of these areas are largely Russian-speaking, especially in the east of the country. But then why would they be so aggressively against specifically Russian-speaking people? I just, I, I, I don't know the answer to that. But what I, don't, what I do know is that this is very interestingly, would, would very clearly seem to suggest once this agenda was unleashed that maybe Russia was really behind it. Because look, they all speak Russian. I don't know. I'm just, I mean, these are, I see that agenda as plain as day. Whether that's why that was happening, I, I can't speak to my thoughts. But in 2015, as intermittent fighting in Donbass continued, the U.S. government placed a ban on any of its materials or financial aid to Ukraine going to the Aza Battalion due to its far right association. While the ban was lifted in 2016, Congress reinstated it again as part of a defense appropriations bill in 2018. Now, we've talked about the point here, right here, where this is the nation pointing out that, that under pressure on the Pentagon, they removed that spending bill amendment, even though ever since 2016, up until 2018, they lied and said that that wasn't the case, that they weren't allowed to give them weapons. They lied. But then again, the point is in 2018, they apparently added it back. 
Here's 2000. Uh, this is 2018 article from from the Hill. Congress bans arms to Ukraine militia linked to neo Nazis. Now, the real important point, and I want to forget to go back to this. Here's where we are right here. The real important point is is it still in effect today? Because we all know that they're being armed right now. I mean, no, I mean, they're cheering on the arming of the Azov Battalion right now. The tw- the Twitter argument is that we're too dumb to understand that they're not what we, we the Putin has tricked us into thinking they're Nazis or whatever it is. Even though we're it's just it's it's plainly obvious as I've ever seen anything being obvious that these guys are open neo-Nazi groups. But if it's still in their congressional budget plan today, wouldn't that mean that they're breaking the law? Even if they go to the to the government that then goes to them, well, yes. Especially if they know, as a matter of fact, that they're being armed, as they then cheer them on, even from a governmental position. Even Pisaki's been talking about them. I mean, it's very clear. So let's look. Here is the article, first of all, saying it. Now, here is the, this one is from, oh, I should have done that. Dang it. I'm going to scroll to the top. I should have refreshed it. Hold on. Oh, shoot. It's going to take forever. Hold on a sec. <laughs> that was a bad move. Hold on, let me scroll back down so I don't lose that. A really long document. Son of a gun. Did I skip it? It's going to drive me crazy. I'll find it again if I... <laughs> Damn it. Oh, there it is. I got it. Okay, so hold on. Let me refresh this. Here is the document. This one's from 2021 alone. This is the Consolidated Appropriations Act 2021 omnibus bills and discussions of funding. Here is where it says very clearly, which by the way is really interesting that they just specifically still call them out by name, which by the way, undeniably suggests that right at this moment and the next one too, by the way, right up until 2022, the U.S. government still considers the Aza Battalion a bad, dangerous terrorist group. <laughs> it's right in front of you. And yet they're acting like we're wrong or fake news for misunderstanding it. Like how do you connect those two things in your mind if you're following their narrative? It says right here, None of the funds of any of this bill made available by this act may be used to provide arms, training, or other assistance to the Aza Battalion. Oops. You know what has happened beyond a shadow of a doubt, even if you want to ignore the weapons? Training and other assistance. 100% since 2018 has absolutely gone to these groups because the CIA is admitted to it. Your government's admitted to it. The media is admitted to it. So why is nobody being arrested for that? Why is anybody going to jail for that? Here is the 2022 one. 2022. Here's what it says. None of the funds made available by this act may be used to provide arms, training, or other assistance to the Azov Battalion. I mean, you know this will never make it anywhere unless, you know, one of these larger quasi-independents decide to point at this. I hope they do, because this is where it needs to go. We need to acknowledge this. Hopefully they'll say where they got it from, which rarely happens, but none of the funds will be made available. They have given assistance, they have given training, they have given arms, and they're currently doing that now, and you all know that. I almost forgot to go back to this. This is where we want to continue. The point is simply that they're doing it, and that's a crime. But nobody cares about the crimes of the illegitimate government here we're talking about right now. We don't care about that. As long as they yell freedom when they do their illegitimate acts, then nobody cares. I should say nobody. Obviously, we all care. I talk about those lost in the paradigm. But as it says, in 2016, so still going forward, you see, this goes right up until today. Olina Semenkya, the person we point to do, the person we've referenced many times in this tweet where we show you that she is the one that the FBI discusses. 
Olena Semenya as the leader of the National Corps and how is directly tied to the Azov Battalion, is directly tied to the Rise Above Movement, and on and on and on. She is the new spokeswoman for the head of Azov's International Outreach Office, embarks on a new set of efforts. Now, what's funny is they try to frame her as, you know, the National Corps which is no longer the Oz of Italian, you conspiracy theorists. They got they went away in 2014, right? So she's just, she's the new face and they're all evolving. Except in the current document that they reference, they literally say she's now the head of the Azov's International Outreach Office. Yeah, you don't really have an international outreach office if you were some small regiment militia that went away a year, you know, 10 years ago. I mean, this is just so silly. She embarked on a new set of efforts to grow the group's international ties. Back in 2016, she is the principal coordinator behind Azov's vast international network, which exists today in and around Europe. Semenkia networked and organized events with far-right organizations and ideologies from Europe and the United States. Since 2016, right to today, she has regularly traveled across Europe, meeting with far-right groups, including Italy's Casa Pound and Germany's National Democratic Party. Isn't it weird they leave one out right there? If those that have been following this, you remember, they list them here too. Germany, Ukraine, Italy, but they also list the Rise Above member, rise above Movement. Right here, here's one of the experts pointing out the same. Their international movement, their Germany's neo-Nazi third path, or is it the other one? Casa, Italy's Casa Pound, but they just leave out America's Rise Above Movement. Why would the Stanford group do that? Hmm. I just want that to be obvious because that's they know that in other st- other documentation it's referenced. So I find it very strange the glaring omission of the U- the direct U.S. connection, which they very clearly know about. Because even the links you'll click in these ones they reference also reference those groups. I'm, it's, you can't make this stuff up. That's an, a very obvious omission, by the way. But it says those two specifically, without the other one, largely attempting to win the support instead of Putin. You see, the point is to say, but he he would have gotten to them first. <laughs> So you're vying over who gets to influence the neo-Nazis? That's not something I would brag about, but I don't even know if that's true. But it says Semenkia also spoke with the far-right Skanda Forum in Sweden, alongside Mark Collette, a neo-Nazi activist from Britain's National Party and self-described Nazi sympathizer. Uh, See, this is not what a small group that went away a decade ago looks like. Azov has also hosted members of and communicated with members of several different American organizations. Now, and this is, again, you note that you don't see the rise above movement. It says, in 2020, two members of the U.S.-based neo-Nazi group Autumn Waffen Division were deported by the Ukrainian government after they attempted to set up a local affiliate and join the Azov Battalion. Now, why why does that even make sense to everybody? They are literally trying to reach out to everybody around the world. They are literally growing these groups, and that's what what the neo-Nazi group is saying, and that's what Stanford is reporting they're saying. We're trying to, right? Olena Semenkia is traveling around the world creating these groups. And that's the Ukrainian government, guys, the National Corps. That's their political party. Then what they're trying to pretend is that right before this started, not right before, but in 2020, they just pick out two of the U.S. people and say, we're deporting you because you're neo-Nazis, but we're going to leave everybody else and all the other groups. This, in my opinion, was the beginning of the narrative where you're going to, of the initiation of it. Like, look, U.S. people are being deported because there's a problem in the U.S. and they're going to Ukraine to fight with the people we now pretend aren't bad. Something fell apart here. Autumn Waffen Division, which also tied back to the CIA, also tied back to the Oz Battalion. It's an obvious, interesting point. And I think the same with Craig Lang. Why did they just pluck him out of obscurity and pick the one guy who's obviously doing bad things? Because I think they all are. Because I think they wanted to create the narrative. That's my opinion. 
In 2016, Bolesky partially returned the Aza Battalion. So don't forget, the guy who left and they claimed that's the reason why this all went away because they disbanded the creator, the founder of this whole neo-Nazi movement. He came back in 2016, joined the Aza Battalion to found a far-right ultranationalist political wing called the National Corps. As part of the political wing's creation, he toned down some of his political rhetoric and white supremacist views. Just like the ISIS groups pretended not to be as bad when they became Hayatirul Sham. They're the same people, knowingly toning themselves down to appease whom? Right? Who exactly? Who are they doing it for? Somebody wants them to tone it down. Who? Who are they toning it down for? Probably their handlers. Probably the people that wanted them not to be as obviously neo-Nazi for whatever reason. What is going on here? Olena Semenka became actively involved in the National Corps' leadership. So this is that you can't pretend they're not the same group when they've got the literal founder of the group, the actual group that's still clearly there and still waving the same flags, and then the group, the girl that was took his place. This is just a transitioning of people. This is the same group with the same ideology using the same founder, who literally is a group that on record are called open Nazi organizations. In 2017, Azov created an umbrella organization. Yeah, they're gone, right? with other far-right groups to boost the National Corps' presence in elections. Right, which Scott Ritter told you has been ongoing since then, where they keep putting their people in high positions of power, described as a nationalist hate group by the U.S. government. But they're gone, though. The two th- in 2018, the National Corps was, in sta- was, was, was estimated to have less than 20,000 members. Now, remember, guys, that's just the National Corps. That's a political party. We're not even talking about the 50,000 people that went to join the Aza Battalion or the thousands they claim are in the Aza Battalion alone. The point is, these are this is not just one entity. This is the government. This is what it's beginning to look like. We're in 2018. They ran on a platform of reestablishing. Like, okay, in 2018, the National Corps that they claim was the disbanding of Azov and becoming more normal. In 2018, the National Corps ran on a platform of reestablishing Ukraine as a nuclear power and opposing European institutions. Yeah, I wonder why you're, why Russia was getting so uncomfortable. They don't want you to know this stuff because that's alarming to anybody who they share a border with, even if you don't want to pretend they're obviously what they are. The National Corps also supports Azov's international recruitment because of the same thing, providing housing and logistical support to arriving foreign volunteers who are going there because they're recruiting them under an umbrella of white nationalism or white supremacy. It is difficult to know exactly how many foreign fighters have joined the Azov Battalion. Yet they love to pretend they know when they want to undershoot it, make it sound like it's not there. In 2017, the organization created a new street wing faction known as the National Druze Heine or National Militia. The National Militia at that time patrolled neighborhoods and small groups to ostensibly promote law and order. Even they say ostensibly, which means not actually, right? On the surface, they pretended to promote law and order. It also, of course, harassed public officials, clashed with police until January 2018. The National Militia conducted attacks against Roma and other minority groups. Now, actually, the person who sent me this document, thank you, by the way, who also included that video, but I don't think it's, it's, it was a small, an attack that I guess they claimed nobody was hurt. The point is, this is one small attack that's on the record when there's an endless eight-year ethnic cleansing going on in Donbass. But the National Militia, which is the same entity here, or rather a street faction, which sounds great, of the openly neo-Nazi National Corps of Battalion, who went around hurting people, clashing with the police forces, and eventually taking them over, by the way, and of course just hurting minority targets, because that's what democracies do, right? In February 2018, the National Militia formally announced its existence during a public assembly 
And guess what? A torchlit march of 600 followers in Kiev. The very marches they point at and go, look at all those neo-Nazis, except they don't want you to think that now. During the march, members swore allegiance to who? Andriy Bolesky and the Azov Battalion. So 2018, after they supposedly went away, you literally are swearing allegiance to the founder of an openly Nazi group that later became the Azov Battalion, and then he came back to and joined and is still there, and the Azov Battalion themselves. Isn't it amazing how the how CNN just misses all of this? They must just not know where to look, right? Great journalism, guys. Fox News, too, by the way. In 2019, Ukraine's Central Election Commission granted the national militia permission to officially monitor the presidential election. Are you serious? You're literally talking about giving the national militia, which is a, which again, we're talking about a street wing faction of a neo-Nazi government uh, uh, political party and militia. It's not them. It's their street faction that is attacking police and killing minorities. You gave them permission to monitor the elections the next year. What does that tell you about the institution of Ukraine's government? Although the commission specified the group was not permitted to use force, members openly stated that they were willing to take matters into their own hands and stop election fraud, ostensibly, or just stop what they wanted to stop with their neo-Nazi aggression. That's what these people still were. That's very clear. Now, whether you pretend they wanted to stop, quote, fraud as neo-Nazi extremists, or they wanted to stop what they thought was fraud as neo-Nazi extremists, it doesn't really change the fact that they're openly neo-Nazi extremists that are marching through the streets and doing what they want, taking into their own hands. Members of the Yaza Battalion, the National Corps, and the National Militia appear to flow between the three branches. This is Stanford telling you that they, as of 2019, but again, this is referencing as of right now, they just flow amongst themselves. No, they never went away. The National Corps, the street marching militias, and the Aza Battalion themselves, they just kind of fluctuate around. Since the creation of all three of these groups, the Aza Battalion, the National Corps, and the National Militia, collectively today, they're referred to as the Azov Movement. Right, because they're gone. No, 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 no. They have grown and taken over. This is impossible to miss if you're actually being honest. They're collectively referred to as the Azov movement. They have political parties. They have police control. They're marching through the streets. They're monitoring elections. Yeah, it's totally not the entire government, guys. In February 2022, the group came to prominence again during the Russian military buildup on the border with Ukraine. So we're pretending it went away, but here's Stanford telling you they came right back and stood there during what just happened. They're still doing it. They are blatantly lying to you about what's going on, and I couldn't make this any more clear. When Vladimir Putin announced the invasion of Ukraine, calling it a special military operation to demilitarize and denazify Ukraine, the Azov Battalion was thought to be one of the organizations he referenced to. Yeah. Why would they think that? Gee, because they're open to neo-Nazi. They're not even trying to dispute that. In response to the Russian invasion, though, far-right militia leaders across Europe are posting declarations to join the fight against Russia. So not only are they openly neo-Nazi, so which means Putin, at the very least, in part, called said the truth about that, as even Stanford's admitting, but they, in fact, then drew far-right dangerous people from all around the world. But it's not real, though, CNN? I mean, how do they even play that game? Members of the Aza Battalion see the invasion as an opportunity to ri- raise their profile and gain increased political influence. Olina Semenya, spokeswoman for the group that doesn't exist anymore, apparently, the Azov Battalion, referenced Azov's role in Ukraine as an opportunity to play a bigger role in Ukraine's future politics. I mean, obviously, we know they exist as the name because even the Western press, as I just showed you, cites them, Azov leader or so on. My point in saying that is that they continue to pretend like they're not what they once were. 
even though it's written in plain English from date to day, from year to year to year. This article, this goes from year to year, from 2014 to now, and it goes before that, by the way. And they make it un unequivocally clear. You cannot deny this. They are the same people with the same leadership, with the same ideology. They're literally stating that they're going to do this, and they're pretending like they're not. Ask yourself why CNN would knowingly gaslight for neo-Nazi groups, as they're the ones claiming we're fighting white supremacy against the Trump supporters. Like, this is just a complete construct. And that does not mean that some of these people don't believe what they're being pushed into. Just like the stuff in the Middle East, there are there are people from the top. There's a big new Brzezinski's are planning this out on their chessboards from long before we get there. As it says here, Azov leadership has been using the threat from Russia military as a recruitment tool, amplifying their online recruitment resources. This is just about the most clear thing ever. Now, I don't know if stars in the chat or not, but let's try to get this specific Azov Stanford clip out pretty quick. I think that'll be important as well. But I'm, I'm not done just yet. Let's scroll. Look at all these links, by the way. Every single one of these things are linked in here. Now, under leadership, it lists the people you might expect. Here's the Andrew Belitsky, Belitsky who, of course, again, the original leader of the group and is the leader of the extreme right patriot Ukraine national, exactly what we've talked about who then left and then came back and is still there. We also have the other people we've mentioned, but specifically down here, here's Olina Semenkia, the head of the National Corps Political Wing and head of the International Outreach for Aza Battalion. The International Outreach. As of right now, today, she has met with members of the U.S. Rise Above movement. Prior to joining, she was the press secretary for what? The right sector of all groups. Of course, because what's jumping from one neo-Nazi group to the next, right? So now she's the press secretary for another neo-Nazi group. She became the de facto head of the National Corps in 2016. So 2014, 2016, she was the press secretary for the right sector, which is one of the most extremist groups in the government or in the military. Azab being the, one of the others. And then just shifted over to the right. They're probably all one and the same at this point, in my opinion. Then finally, Dennis Porakemko. He joined the group in 2014 and was one of the earliest members by 2020. Right, because it disbanded, right? By 2020, Porakemko, uh, I keep wanting to say Poroshenko. Porokopenko was leading the group in Mariupol. So he's there. In February 2022, he was overseeing the Azov Regiment in Mariupol. Because, by the way, guys, that's this guy. That's, uh, where is it? Right here. That's this guy. <laughs> Shoot. Where was I? The children in, it's the Azov stall plant. Where was that? Sorry, guys. Getting mixed up on where these things were in my discussions. Son of a gun. Well, in any case, <laughs> it was the video where I had the guy, oops, speaking about the Avastol plant. I can't believe I can't find that. I mean, I'm a little, a little flabbergasted by that. Well, it's in there somewhere. So the point is that there's the guy who was speaking on the record saying, we have children in the plant. Well, it turns out that he is. There it is. This guy. Okay. So this is the guy telling you, we've got children and they're all held to They're being saved here, saved from the evil Russians, which certainly could be true. But when it turns out that that guy is in fact, uh, the one of the founding members of, or rather just, you know, 2014 forward of the Aza Battalion and has been there during all this time. 
right? So even if you want to pretend it's different now, that means he was there back when they were openly calling them like Nazi terrorists, murdering people and terrible things far right and influencing the world. And then they changed, but he's still there. The leaders are still there. The main guy is still there. So what's actually changed other than narrative, right? The point is that this is what they're, this is the guy who's standing up and saying there's children here. So if this is the guy that's done the things that they've recently, they've previously pointed to as horrific, why would we take him as word? You know the answer to that, because they don't care about the facts, the truth. It's about narrative. And they, I don't even know they know what they're talking about. But that's the guy you're staring at right there. We've got children here. Yeah, you, you probably do. And I'm terrified for their safety. And again, let's, oh wait, oh, there's more things on this. That's right. So go, one last thing on this, ideology and goals. Here's what it says. An instructor at an Azov-run summer camp for Ukrainian children, which still happens, stated that, quote, only nationalists can give something to this country, not Democrats, not liberals, <laughs> right? So just what I mean, all that squeaks through to all those two-party illusionists out there on the one side, at the very least, who think they're fighting against white supremacy and neo-Nazis as they literally fund open, outstated neo-Nazis who literally train children to go fight in a war right now. That's already happened. That your government and even the media then went on to frame as freedom-fighting children. I don't even know how you can make that argument. The bottom line is that these people are bad, and they were always bad. They're bad now, and your government called them bad. The media called them bad right up until this started. They're training children, and then he openly states only the— like, I mean, I, I, again, a nationalist is not something that's inherently bad. It's extremism that makes things bad. The part is, in the mind of the Democrat out there, of the liberal— and it's not, again, I understand that these, this is a nonpartisan thing. There's plenty of people lost on the, the conservative side that are standing with Ukraine right now. But the point is, that, again, we should be standing with the civilians and the people of Ukraine that are being abused and manipulated and used by the very people running this. But when you say, I stand with Ukraine, you're saying you stand with the agenda of the governments right now. My point is, they're the ones that pretend they're fighting a, a, a nationalist threat. And even pointing at Putin when they say that. Yet the very people that you're arming right now, this is not 2014, he's saying this today, that the very thing you think you're fighting is the only thing that can save this country. Not you, not Democrats, not liberals, not your ideology. So think about how childishly ridiculous that is that they're funding these people and they can't even be bothered to look into what they're saying about themselves. Just listen to what CNN tells you they say. Doesn't that sound a lot like COVID-19? Yeah, it does. Now, Semenya, leader of the National Corps, member of Azov Battalion, has referred to this strategy in her public remarks, stating that Azov's strategy is to build cultural hegemony. Yeah, that's what they're all fighting for, right? We want the same thing everywhere, right? Liberals and no, you're fighting for the opposite of that. But they're currently stating as of today that they want what you don't. <laughs> but keep sending them money because that money translates into weapons for dangerous people. But it's just ridiculously obvious. The National Corps platform champions a, uh, what they, a, 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 a uh, how do you, how would you pronounce that? Uh, Natiocracy political system, which champions nationalism as its state defining purpose. I mean, just it's again, I'm not talking about that when they're extremists. That's a bad, that's a dangerous thing because that leads to fascism and dangerous things. Having a nationalist mentality as an individual is your choice. The point is that that's not what the people funding them right now, by and large, would want to support. And yet that's what they're screaming to the sky. And we're it's just, it's pretty silly. It's embarrassing, in fact. The wing supports a number of far-right and ultra-nationalist political positions right now, by the way, as well as support for Ukraine reacquiring nuclear weapons. Right. I wonder why Putin's so concerned. That's why. 
openly stating that they want to do things to people to speak Russian specifically or not Russian separatists while they're screaming about their entire political agenda being to reacquire nuclear weapons. Yeah, I wonder why. Finally, it says in 2016, Facebook designated them a dangerous organization like everybody else, which allowed them to regulate Azov content and deplatform them on their pages. In In February 2022, however, Facebook temporarily loosened its designation. What a hypocrite. To allow discussion of them, right? You're allowed to talk about defensive efforts as they're all pointing at them murdering people right now. And then, yay, they got him, right? The ban still prohibited Azef from using Facebook for messaging, advertising, recruiting, even though they don't, even though that's exactly what they're doing, even though on Twitter right now, they're doing the same thing, right? We all see it. In 2018, the U.S. Congress passed a bill banning their sales, except they're not caring about that, as they right now flood the entire Ukraine military with weapons, which definitely goes to them. That's just crazy. Twitter's allowing this stuff in real time right now. They don't care. Now, to finish this off, we went quite a more over three hours. I'm almost done. This, this, what you're looking at here was just the, the private page I had to go look at, because don't forget that you can see the Azov Battalion has me blocked. It is <laughs> one of their official pages. That's why they have me personally blocked. I just think that's hilarious. That's a win, I feel. Yeah, see, this will make the site huge target for Russians. Please stop using innocent civilians as human shields. This guy, see, this person seems to know what's going on. Any case, finally, right wing, and this is where we are today. As you can see, this is with this ridiculous block. You can see that it's April 6, 2022. This is the Washington Post. I just use the this way I can read it. Right wing. So it's funny how in the beginning they were like, no, they're different now, but now they're kind of quietly rolling it back a little bit. Like they're right wing and they're far right, but they're defending us though. Emerges as a controversial defender of Ukraine. Like even this, even this equivocation is gross with what we just read to you from the very group that they point at to make their arguments about what's going on today in Ukraine from both sides. This is what they say. So apparently it's okay that open, disgusting neo-Nazi groups that are screaming about about taking over the world with their cultural hegemony, all these different things that are right now saying it's okay that you are that they're defending these areas. The point is when they make this article, they don't want you to know about this information. They in fact they pretend like it's not true. They argue, as it says here, militia with far right views, because it welcomes all all volunteers, regardless of ideology. That's not true. That's that's the opposite of what they're saying. This is what they say on the surface. So these idiots at these Western press say for them. They blindly regurgitate what they tell them to say, just like the Washington Post, like anybody else, or at least they think that's acceptable today. They are not letting anybody join with any ideology. That's not what's happening. And they're openly saying that in their own documentation. Here is the platform to look at right now, not because it's absolute truth. I would argue they're manipulated like anybody in these circles, but that this is what they want you to think at least at the moment, or at least before it shifted with what we're talking about with the CIA and into now, right? I mean, this was the, the platform that was been laid out. Troops of the Ukrainian Azov Battalion, which has been constructed with a far-right ideology, trained in a warehouse in Kiev on March 20th. Like, it's just amazing the way they're trying to play this. This exact statement, far-right ideology, was act, we were called fake news in the beginning. They're not Nazis. You guys are potent fake news, Russia fake news. And they quietly bring it back just like with COVID. Financial Times is even worse. Don't confuse Nazism with patriotism. The Azov face face scrutiny. You're literally defending them. 
Just think about how crazy that is. This is how easy it is to manipulate the fake journalism that's out there today. Read it for yourself. I mean, it's bad. From what looked like from what looked like a basement in the besieged Mariupol, a deputy commander of the ultra-nationalist Azov Regiment, even that's further than they've ever gone before, whose neo-Nazi roots, see my point, have been used by Russia to justify their roots are currently leading them right now. I mean, that's the stupidest part about it. One of the roots they speak of, and they'll even reference as pointing back to where they used to be, is Andre Bileski, who is currently one of their leaders today. I mean, just think about how ridiculous that is. These guys are ridiculous. You have to understand what Azov is. These are men who, for the most part, took arms and were attacked by Russia. They're just, this is equivocation. This is a gross defense of a, of a group that's currently calling for everything they pretend they're fighting against right now. And there they are. I mean, it's just one compilation. It's, it's never ending. You have to literally plug your ears and stomp your feet to not see this right now. There, and this is, this is the stupid the narrative. They say, this is the wolf's angel symbol, right? This is their symbol. It's, and by, and, and it's a, the argument it's an N-I is such an, a silly argument. It is simply the inverse symbol. And it's everywhere. And here they are standing up with their neo-Nazis, their, their swastikas with their own flag, with their flag colors, or standing here with their other neo-Nazi symbols. And this, by the way, is the symbol of the person was wearing standing right next to Cirillo. Right? These are neo-Nazi symbols, guys. That's what they're from. Now, by the way, I can make the same point here in regard to this, even though, by the way, here is here's a great point to make. The actual neo-Nazi symbol, or specifically Nazi division symbol, is that right there. That's the actual verbatim symbol. Now, what they u- tried to do about the person that was the Russian getting the award, which as I said then, very well could have been the same, like a variation of that symbol. But my point was that the U.S. military has skull and crossbones everywhere. So do a lot of military that are a a variation. They're not the same thing. That is the exact symbol. That's my point. And then, then, but even that, I would go, well, who knows? Maybe he just used it because he didn't know. But when that symbol is done alongside this symbol and alongside this symbol, it's kind of hard to miss. See what I'm saying? There's a big difference there. Now, again, don't forget that the one that the Russian guy was wearing was not that symbol. It was different. And then you have to recognize that plenty of other militaries use these things ubiquitously. Not the exact one, but a variation of the skull and crossbones. You cannot deny. No, by the way, I'm not suggesting, by the way, that there are not people in the Russian military that have this exact ideology or that the Russian imperial movement is not exactly that. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm simply saying is that what you're staring at is being funded by American dollars, being supported by the CIA, being grown inside of Ukraine, and that should be alarming regardless of what's happening on the other side because of how it's going. That Then this becomes a valid point, which I just made the other day, but let's talk about it again. Last month when I was in Europe, I announced that the United States would welcome 100,000 Ukrainians so that we share in the responsibility of supporting Ukrainians fleeing Putin's war machine. We've already welcomed tens of thousands of Ukrainians to the United States. And today, I'm announcing a program, Unite for Ukraine, a new program to enable Ukrainians seeking refuge to come directly from Europe to the United States. Right. So I already have tens of thousands who have already gone to the United States. Now, I want to be very clear about this. Do not allow this to be used to demonize all Ukrainians. That's exactly what they would want. That's exactly what happened in every other situation, whether it's Russian or Syrian or anything else. Don't fall into that silly, ignorant trap. Because they're using Ukrainians. 
By the way, just like they're using Israelis in every situation you could point at, there's a lot of Ukrainians that have clearly been manipulated and now clearly espouse these supremacist ideologies, which is it's just too bad because they now they they espouse that. That's been they've been socially engineered by these people, or maybe they wanted to believe it in any case. The bottom line is there's still a lot of average people that shouldn't be lumped in with that. And the same argument I make for Zionism in Israel or any other situation, or specifically, actually, this discussion of, you know, whether it's uh, Wahhabism in the Middle East and how these things have been manipulated into be people believe this. But that doesn't mean it's, it's not a construct or a manipulation. So my point is, as they flood in tens of thousands of Ukrainians, which I aggressively am concerned about, including the very people that will later become the white supremacy threat that they blame on people like conservatives, hashtag two party illusion. But that doesn't mean that every Ukrainian should be suspect or all of them should be. You know, see what I'm saying? That's the exact thing they want. But here he is telling you it's already happening, which is what I told you the other day. Now, just a couple, two last points. This one is I found really interesting. I'm going to dive into this deeper. But this comes up in every U.S.-backed regime change or invasion war. Every one of them. A new meth-like combat drug is fueling the neo-Nazis fighting for Ukraine. This is that Captagon discussion. Captagon. This turned up in Syria. This turned up in Iraq. This is some weird next level, probably CIA developed drug that's meant to give these people just like, and like, that's what it says here, turning them into zombie soldiers who do not fear death or whatever. Right. If you've got a, a a failing group that you can't, you know, drug them up and push them out. I mean, this is exactly, they don't care about these people. But anyway, the bottom line is this is a very concerning thing to see because it shows you that they're dumping billions and everything they can into this. It is not going away. This is what they planned for. I, they want the insurgency, guys. That's what was always on the table. Finally, here's a clip for you. That just challenges yet again what you're seeing. Now, could this be fake? Of course it could, as always. But if you don't have evidence of that, you should at least consider what you're looking at. And then consider how it challenges what you're not seeing on the other side. <laughs> These are civilians trapped in basements in Mariupol. They're being rescued by Russian troops. Now, ask yourself, if this was if this was them being trapped in there by Russian troops, which I guess is certainly possible, I don't think they would react that way, first of all. And the idea is that why would they do this in one case and then murder everybody else in the other? I mean, anything's possible. But just allow yourself to be critical of one side of this. While you, I mean, clearly you're critical of one side. Everybody's critical of one side right now. Be critical of all sides right? Look at this and go, maybe they're lying. Maybe it's fake, but do the same in reverse. And then in, in, in reverse of that, ask yourself, could this be what's really happening? Question everything guys, just allow yourself to be critical. Even, especially if you have one, like do the same from this perspective, ask yourself, could the Ukrainians not be the government, not be what we think they are. Could Russians actually be killing people? You need to ask yourself these questions. The evidence has to guide you. And I think at this point, the evidence is undeniable, but that's my opinion. Come to your own. Thank <laughs> you.
I think it speaks for itself. At the end of the day, guys, you got to come to your own conclusions, right? Don't listen to what I'm saying. Don't listen to what everybody else is saying. Just look at all the information and what, what seems logical. And even then realize that that may not even be the absolute. You may not know for sure. And that has to be okay too. My opinion is I think this is pretty damn clear. I think what we're seeing is what it looks like. And that means that to a large degree, as we've continued to see, that that's what's happening. There's probably a, will always be examples of all sides doing bad things because there's not, it's never as binary as they want you to think, right? It's never that this is the good guy side, that's the bad guy side. That's what they teach kindergartners. That's not the reality. In any war, in any situation, there's going to be people that take advantage of that. People that want to be soldiers just because they want to take advantage of people in front of them or because they want to steal or because they want to kill people. That's just the reality of what happens. That's why war is bad and we should all fight against it. So even on the Russian side, there's going to be people that commit atrocities or shoot at people they shouldn't or however this works out. But we have to look at it as an honest, discerning individual and recognize that because they show you one video of this, it doesn't mean that everybody does that. You have to continue to be objective and look at everything in front of you. You will never hear that kind of discussion from the Western press because they don't want that from you. They want you to blindly look at what they say is happening and take it at face value because that's what they're teaching you is intelligent. It's not. It's just more social engineering. Continue to think for yourselves. I love you all. As always, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant. The world is changing, and every counterterrorism professional I speak to in the federal government and overseas feels like we are at the doorstep of another 9-11, maybe not something that catastrophic in terms of the visual or the, um, uh, the numbers, but that we can see it building, and we don't quite know how to, how to stop it.